Up next, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Uh, remember, you can send me a text 2057, email me inbox at realitycheck.radio. Oh, it's election time, and we're having a we're going to have a wonderful morning because we're going to be talking to some of the citizen parties, the parties that uh, ordinary citizens decide that they're going to stand for parliament with an entirely new party and represent us and seek our vote. And, of course, are completely dismissed and dished uh, by the legacy media. Not here at the platform. We love them. We love them all. And I'm going to be talking to Democracy New Zealand, to Matt King, the leader of that party. We're going to be talking to the Leighton Baker Party. Uh, going to be talking to Leighton, and we're going to be talking to Mackie Marquis Herbert. She's from the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party. It's going to be a great show. Stay tuned. And you might have your vote shifted. You might find the party that's just for you. Thank you for listening. Every one of these people is going to be marvellous, I can tell. Thank you for tuning in. What I want to achieve with RCR is conversation. And I think we have lost the art of conversation. With RCR, I just hope that people can learn that we can all be different, we can have our own opinions, have our own views, and have those conversations in a respectful way. Because respect needs to be given, it needs to be earned, and I think that we can prove that people of all diverse perspectives, ages, opinions, can have a platform, and we can work and talk together. And so that's what I hope we get to achieve with RCR. Just independent thought alternative thought and I I expect that I will be castigated by many people for offering different opinions but you know as I've said before there is no such thing as a wrong opinion opinions are like noses everybody's got one the exchange of views fair debate no cancelling no interrupting no aggressive responses we want to hear what people have to say Whatever side you're on, and the listener, the consumer, with that information, can make of it what they will. That is the mission. It's a good mission. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now. You're listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Please send me a text at 2057. Uh, email me inbox at rallycheck.radio. It's been my great pleasure uh, to be interviewing uh, the leaders of, look, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't know how to describe them. Um, why don't I call them the citizen parties? You know, I don't like small parties, minor parties. Uh, the citizen parties, the parties that are being led from uh, people and funded by people outside uh, the parliamentary system, outside um, the legacy media and outside our legacy political parties. Uh, these are the parties that have bubbled up um, from citizens, not satisfied with what we have got. 
And joining us this morning is the leader of Democracy NZ, and I guess the founder of Democracy NZ, Matt King. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Rodney. Lovely to talk to you. Well, I want to take it quietly, take it slowly, give you lots of space. You are almost unique amongst the citizen parties in that you have been a parliamentarian. You were the MP for National for Northland. Tell us, first of all, what was it like being an MP? Oh, look, second second only to getting married to my beautiful wife and having my three children. It was right up there in terms of my life achievements. It's, it, it represented a the culmination of um, several years of work, you know, that to get selected and to get then win an election is pretty hard going, as you know. And um, and so I I I worked really hard and I worked with with everything I had, gave it all I had. And so, yeah, I can say being down in Parliament and being representative for the people was was way up there, massive for me. And all things being equal, you would still be there. Yeah, if we hadn't had a COVID election and a drug referendum and a and a and a, a, a I guess a, a leader at the time that pulled the wool over everyone's eyes and had them had them all believe that their lives were at risk and everything was going to go to hell in a handbasket unless they uh, did what they did. Um, yeah, I, if I had a normal election, I would have won my seat again. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. and so you didn't. And then, as you say, we were in this grip of the COVID, and you came out early, strongly, and took a leadership position against the COVID madness. Why? Oh, look, um, Rodney, I had I, I knew, like you, early on, and I've heard you speak, so I know exactly what you're talking about, that, that something wasn't right. And we I, I didn't know. I just didn't I just knew in my gut something wasn't right. I thought that um having 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 the whole the whole COVID debacle with treatments being suppressed and Cheap drugs that were not allowed to be used, and people losing their doctor's licenses, and and mandating, and 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 people losing their jobs over not taking a vaccine. All those sorts of things. Just for me, I just knew something wasn't right. So I, I went back to the National Party because I was obviously out. I was out. I was out. I was on the list, but I was still in touch with them all. And I was saying, look, we've got to at least stick to our our uh, constitution, which says individual freedom and choice. We need to support people's rights to choose, regardless of what you what the position of the party was on um, vaccination and all that. And they they refused to. They basically said to me, "If you step out, step away, and start continue on this path that you're on, you, there's no future for you in national." And I I knew then that I thought, well, you know, like you, Rodney, you got to look yourself in the mirror and you got to decide what you're going to do. And are you principled? Are you going to stick to your principles? Are you just going to get um, you know, buckle down and pick your career over your principal. And I, I thought, nah, I can't, I can't be part of this. This because if this you is- had stayed true and followed the party line, you could be the candidate for Northland again and back into Parliament as a national MP, presumably. Absolutely. I mean, the tide's going out. On the red tide's going out. The blue one's coming in. I would have been, I, I would have been reselected as the candidate. I would have been the MP probably for a good three or four terms, maybe. Mm. Mate, you know, I've walked away from a guaranteed career. Yes. Now, tell me, I want to, do you mind if I explore this a little bit? Because um, I have been out of Parliament for so long that I've had no contact with any MP over this COVID madness. I've just looked at them like, um, incomprehendingly like everyone else. 
So you were in contact with national MPs and the National Party over COVID. And you're telling us that you said to them, you know, let's stick to our principles, um, which is always a good place to start. Um, and how, how did you get it fed back that that wasn't a happening thing? Okay, so nothing was ever done in text or on record or any email. Of course. It was always, it was always done over the phone, but I was, and it was done via the via people within the party that weren't, you know, MPs. So yep. they all came, it all came via third hand, but it all came yep. through. They're clever, right? Hey? They're clever. Oh, very clever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they all came via um, senior members of the party in, in the in the in the in, you know in the in the hierarchy there. But it was made very clear to me that if I because I I did question a lot of things and and they they basically said if you want a career in in the national party you you got to shut your mouth and put your head down, and if you don't, um, we're gonna we're gonna make an example of you. And I I knew then I said right once I once I decide I'm not going to stand by and let this happen. They're going to circle the wagons on me, and they're going to attack me. And they, they, they have to a certain degree. They have they've done that, but you know, so privately, some of them haven't. You know, but but they, I know, I, I knew that my career was over with the National Party. I, I pretty much knew that. I knew that from months before the protest. You must know MPs and National who don't didn't agree with it. Yes, now, they were in an invidious position because. They would be literally, they wouldn't be chucked out of the party because um, that would make martyrs of them, but they would be sidelined, um, not given any high-profile jobs, quietly dropped down the hierarchy and probably dropped out at the next election. And parties have to survive, and to survive they have to have a rigid discipline and the discipline has to come down from the top. Obviously, the top has to listen a little bit to the troops, but not much. And if the top decides something, uh, the troops have to be whipped into line um, uh, for the greater good of the party. So there would have been MPs disciplined to go along with the government and the COVID story, right? Could even be the majority, Matt. Look, I think I, I do know of individual MPs that were, were totally opposed to any of it and held out to the last minute, and they had to run the media gauntlet every day. Who's been vaccinated? Who hasn't? Who's doing this? Who's doing what? At the end of the day, they picked their careers over their principles, and that that's the fact. But I do know that several of them were were not supportive of the leadership position, but just went along with it because, as you said. Um, you're very career limiting when you disagree with the leadership, seen leadership of the party. It's very career limiting, and so they 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 just complied basically. And of course, we had the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Sandra Gowdy, ex-national MP, uh, mayor of Coromandel, I think, uh, who stood staunch and stood against the media who attacked her endlessly. Uh, she was a beacon uh, through all of this. And so we know there would be Sandra Gowdy like people, but just not as principled or as tough. And I can understand it um, because it is a very, very tough. I do not know whether I could have withstood what would be going on inside a political party. 
Look, uh, I, I, if someone says to me, oh, well, it'd be great to have you in Parliament, I look at them and think, I do not know myself in that first madness of those days if I was in a position, I would hope I would stand tall, but I've never faced anything like this in my political career, so I don't know. I wasn't yeah, tested well, like these guys were tested. Yeah, I hear you, Rodney. I absolutely hear you, and you don't know what you, the decision you'd make at the time, but um, look, for me, I, I look back and I, I see the madness that's happened since, and, I, and everything that I thought was playing out, play, has played out, it's turned out to be the truth. And I know that there were vaccine injured, uh, there's, there's MPs with vaccine injured children. Oh, really? That. Yes, yeah, yeah, I know for that for a fact. Um, I know of one, put it this way, but I know of one. Um, so, and, so, and just, um, I won't push you on who it is, I'm not interested in who it is, you can't tell me, but was that a person who was reluctant to take the vaccine and took it because the leadership said? Look, I... To be honest, I don't know that fact because I, I'm not friends with them, and okay. um, they're not. They're, that was a, it's a senior person, senior person, but I do not know, so I can't say for sure. Okay. I only know about people that were similar vintage to me, or a, a year yes. of an intake before and, and after me, and, and those are the ones that I I know of personally. But and one or two senior ones that I know I know personally as well. But I'd never name them to you, but they. They were, they're they going against it. So for me, you know, like when I was the MP, I, I sort of put a post up about climate change and sort of questioning the narrative, a little bit like Maureen Pugh did. And I was told in no uncertain terms that if I continue down that path, there's no way I would make a minister, no matter how good I am. And I and that was spelled out to me very early on in the first year or two of, of, of being in the National Party. So I, I, I have the luxury now, Rodney, of, of like you being a party leader, if I make parliament this time round, um, I, I will be able to speak freely and I'll be able to have – I, there'll be no one sitting on my shoulder telling me to um, not to say something. I'll, there's, mm. there was, there are a lot of don'ts when you're a junior MP, a lot of don'ts and not a lot of do's, you know. Mm. So I, I'll be free. So tell me about your decision to not join another party but to start a party and tell me – look, God knows – no one knows who hasn't tried it, just how tough it is. It's unbelievably tough. It's mm. relentless. Um, there's a huge negativity, egos, everything in a, in a mm. small party. Um, so just tell me about your decision to start that party and what it's been like in brief to this point. So, so what happened was we did have conversations with quite a few of the other party leaders um, leading up to our decision, and we – to be fair, there was one or two people that I would have liked to have joined forces with, but um, but some of them seemed okay at the time and have since turned out to be absolutely poison. Um, I, I found that people say one thing to me to my face and then say something publicly uh, totally the opposite a few days later. Um, I, I, it, came, it came for me down to trust, and, um, and, and one or two people that I would have liked to have joined forces with didn't want to join with me, and that's pretty obvious, you know. So, so I get that. So we we formed this party. Um, it's been a, an amazing journey. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I, I I I've met some amazing people. I I don't regret any of it. Um, we we have had, we've had a few hurdles along the way, but what struck me most is the misinformation that's been spread about us out there. And 
Uh, I see things being reported in the media and or being put online on social media that are total and utter fabrication. No, no, not even a basis of truth to it, Rodney, and yet um, it's being re- repeated like it's gospel. And I found that people are. I, I know that a lot of the freedom movement are very. They're unhappy. They're they're scared. They're hurting. They're distrusting, and 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 they're looking for a white knight that's going to ride in and save everything. And as you know, with politics, Rodney, um, people say a lot of things about what they're going to do, but when they get in there, the reality hits home that it's a big, slow, lumbering machine of parliament, and 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 wins a wins big wins take a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort. And so I want to stay. I didn't want to go out there and promise everything to everybody, which is what some of the other leaders are doing and misleading them. They're just lying to them. And, and I don't want to be part of that. I I wanted to be as, as honest and transparent as I could with everything I did. And if it meant telling people, no, we can't do that, or I don't think that's practical, I've said that all along. And a lot of people got on board with us and then jumped ship when they perceived something to be wrong or questioned around my integrity or my 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 yeah, and I and I I get that, but I also it's for us it's been a bit tough to see watch um, some of the nasty sort of behaviour. But that's politics. You've experienced it. I've, I've experienced it, and it's just part of the game. Um, mm. But I, I what I can tell you is that the 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 idea of getting five percent is a massive hurdle. The idea that the freedom movement's splintered and eating its own is is a reality. Um, the, the the our pathway to parliament is winning the seat. Some people will say, you're dreaming, Matt. They told me that the same when I went up against Winston Peters. No one gave me one iota of uh, belief that I was actually going to beat Winston in 2017. Only myself and my wife and my inner circle of people believed that I was going to win that seat because they'd seen the work I'd done, um, and I did too. And, in fact, I was disappointed that I didn't win it by more at the, on the day, which seems crazy, but that's the reality. And that's the same thing's happening now with with Northland. We've got a, we've got a. It's not a red blue horse race. There's a there's an acting candidate that's that's been is an MP, so he's vocal and up there. There's a the former na- the national candidate's newbie lives in the South electorate. No one knows him, so he's got his work cut out. We've got Shane Jones running around, um, you know, pumping himself up. Then we've got um, m- myself and obviously the Labour candidate. She's on the outgoing tie. That's that's obvious. And then we've got me, a former MP, that was swam against the tide at the, wow. at the last. At the t- so it could be a so, if if Shane Jones comes along, so it's mm. a four way race potentially. It's and if Shane Jones four way race, it's and Shane Jones race. could enter and make it a five way race. Look, I think I think the Labour candidates going out on the tide. She's she's been missing in action, and she's everywhere you go. They say where's Willow? That's her nickname. Um, She's going to be in anyway because she's on the list at number nine. So, so okay, she's going to be okay. in regardless. And I don't think she wants to be an electorate MP because it's a lot of hard work. We've got the candidate that's unknown that was only named a few months ago for national. So he's going to get some blue Chihuahua vote, what I call the blue Chihuahua vote, the vote for a dog with a ribbon on it. Yeah, got Shane Jones running around. He's obviously quite a higher profile guy. He's well known. He, he, you know, he gets a lot of media. And I'm the XMP that swam against the tide at the last in the 2020 election. My party vote halved, and yet I, I got 1,500 votes more. So, oh, you could argue that I that there were people out there that thought, okay, um, we you know we don't like national, but we like Matt. And I'm just going to be hammering that everywhere I go. And, like and there's an act MP standing in the seat. Yes, there is. He's a, he's a, actually an MP. You know, Mark Cameron. Yeah. So he's 
He's going to grow his vote because that vote is growing. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm seeing act signs on former National Party farms. So conceivably, someone could get in literally on 20% of the vote. Look, at what could happen is the vote could be split. And I, and, I'm, and, and the polling that we've done, the actual curia polling that we paid for, I'm second equal with the Labour candidate. National's a little bit ahead, but the margin between me and him is, is closer than the difference between Labour and myself. At the last election, when we polled just before the election, there was a poll, and I was 20% ahead of her, and she ended up beating me on the day. Oh, not on the day, in the specials. Yeah. So your strategy, this is, uh, you're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We've got Matt King, uh, the leader of Democracy NZ, Um who former MP formed a political party going for it? So your strategy is to win Northland and therefore break the five percent hurdle. So every vote for Democracy NZ would then count to getting another MP or two, correct? Absolutely. And if you look at all the minor parties, and that includes New Zealand First, none of them have the chance of winning a seat. I don't believe any of them have a chance. I'm the, we're the only smaller party or citizens party that's actually got a, got, the, got a potential to win the seat. So that's a no-brainer for us. And if you look at what happened in 2017, ACT got 0.5% of the vote. David Seymour was rolling around there, um, you know, like Lone, Lone Ranger. And um, look at him now. You know, yeah. and the Maori Party 1.2 percent at the 2020 election, and they won a seat. They got two MPs. Yeah. So that's that's the gateway. That's the pathway to Parliament. Five percent is too high. It's too high. And you've had that electorate. The the people that you're campaigning amongst now have voted for you previously, albeit in a different suit. And you were their MP for three years, so you are a known quantity. You've just got to shake them loose from giving their electric vote to national. Yeah, well, I've ruled out Labor, the Greens, and the Maori Party. So we've said, no, we don't want to borrow them. They're, they're the government, the most corrupt, incompetent, immoral government we've ever had. So we won't talk to them. So what we've said is, if you're going to be strategic in Northland and you want to change a government, if you two tick the party, centre-right parties that you normally have ticked all your life, you're actually not helping the situation because no. the party vote determines number in peace. So I say strategically give me the candidate vote. Party vote yeah. where you want, but give me yeah. your candidate vote. It's a no-brainer. There's no downside to it. It's an insurance policy. I'll, I'll, I'll go down to Parliament. We may win two or three listies with me. We'll go down there and say to the government, hey, we don't want those guys because they're rotten. There's, there's no doubting that. We'll look at whoever the, the party, the country serves up. We'll say, as long as you respect our Bill of Rights, as long as you push back on the climate change narrative, as long as you support our farmers, as long as you support our families, we will form a partnership with you. We, I don't want ministerial positions or baubles of office or slush funds or anything. I just want a country that my kids and my grandkids can grow up and be proud of. So my motivation is pure. It's not for any sinister or nasty. Or, or well, evil. the peculiar thing is... You winning Northland adds to national strength because they will get the same number of MPs in Parliament 
whether they win Northland or not. That's exactly. A that's a peculiarity of MMP. So um, if if um, if the Northland national candidate wins, well, good for him. He's in. If he loses, not so good for him. He's out. He might come in on the list depending where they place him. But it doesn't make any difference to the total number of MPs that National has because there's only one thing that determines the number of MPs National have, and that is their party vote. So if I'm sitting in Northland and I really hate this government, and there's a high chance that I'm sitting in Northland and that's the case, then I say to myself, I've got two votes, I've got a party vote, and I've got an electric vote. Northland is one of two or three or four seats in the country that my electorate vote can be of national significance. Obviously, it's the case in uh, Epsom, although the ACT Party looks like it's going to get over the five. Could be the case in some Maori seats. But in Northland, I vote for Matt King and I give my party vote to National or to ACT or to Democracy New Zealand, I get Matt King across the line in the electorate. I get one extra MP for the centre-right that we otherwise wouldn't have. It's a very hard thing to grasp about MMP because it sounds slightly nutty, but it's the reality that voting... Voting for Matt King in Northland gives the centre-right an extra MP. And goodness knows, Matt, these MMP elections are very fine. They might be so fine this time, but in the next election they could be. And those uh, extra one or two seats that can come by way of a third party can make the difference between who's in government, right? Absolutely. And I also say this, you imagine you two tick the blue team. Say you're a Nat voter, and I, I've spoken to heaps of them up here, and they understand my strategy when I explain it to them, but it's just getting around them all this hard, hard work, is that if you two tick blue and you got 59 or 60 or 61 seats in Parliament, um, and, or, no, or, you know, 61, and and, or, and then you, you form, you, you get there in the Maori, and we're saying, no, 59 to 60, not 61, but the Maori party hold that balance, then we've got a Labour Green government again. And imagine if you did two tick blue and you, you ended up being in opposition for another term whenever you'd been smart about your vote and give me the candidate vote, I make up the numbers, we get us we get across the line, and then we form a government. And you know what? I, I want strength, strength and stability in government. I do. I want our country back on track. I absolutely do, and, and I recognise that need. But some people just can't get past that you've got to – they think you've got a two tick for the same party, the yeah. party and the person, and it's and, just, it, and it's, it suits national to be putting out that line. But I think, um, well, good on you, um, because the voters of Epsom understand it perfectly. Because since two thousand and five, they have uh, ticked for the local act MP, uh, whether it's been me, John Banks, or David Seymour, because they understand that it adds to national strength and the national party have sort of had to now admit that 
uh, because it's become a reality. And what you're trying to do is convince another electorate that this is a smart move. Um, i got to tell you, in 2005, my billboard said, because Richard Worth was on the list high, and my billboard said, um, vote for Richard Worth and you'll get Richard Worth. Vote for Rodney Hyde, you'll get Richard Worth, Rodney Hyde. Let's do his reactive piece. <laughs> which was hard hard to argue with right and yeah. and the funny thing was it was absolutely true so mm. uh, on the on the a, a, election night 2005 um i won the seat richard worth got back in on the list i got into parliament and plus heather roy came in to join me on the party vote so epsom mm. voters got three mps not none or one, you know, well, and that's that's the argument that you have in Northland. It's a great strategy. Well, good on you. I hadn't appreciated that fully. And I also think that it's very, very strong for you that you've got these multiple horses in the race because mm. um, you're not in a uh, hands-down race against a um, – a, uh, an MP who's going to win no matter what. You've got a situation where you've got a new national candidate against someone who served the electorate before. You've got a mm. sitting MP whose tide's going out on. Uh, you've got a, an ACT MP with ACT on the rise. Uh, and you potentially have Shane Jones. And so the votes are all over the place. That's tremendous for you. Well, I'm also finding, Rodney, that I'm getting a lot of support from the married community because I stood up for their rights, especially when it came around to mandates and vaccinations and, yes. and basically taking race out of everything. One of our policies, take race out of everything. It's about addressing need. And a lot of Maori community, a lot of the Maori community are supporting me because of that stance, because I'm calling it, being honest and upfront. And so that's really encouraging for me because, um, you know, I need to, to, it's a large Maori population in Northland. And if you don't have, Maori support on side, you, you've got no chance. And I'm, I was doing human hoardings for weeks uh, out on busy intersections, and the numbers of people that um, that supporting me with Maori, clearly Maori blood, was huge. Like stopping, waving, tooting. I mean, I'll give you one example. I was putting up a hoarding, and I got my trailer bellied. Like I, I cut the corner, and it dropped into the drain. And I was very clearly in strife, and I stood on the side of this busy road, and the first couple that pulled up were a young Maori couple from from Kaikoui, who had a little four-cylinder Japanese car, and they tried to pull my trailer out, and they couldn't. And then and then another car came by about five minutes later, another married couple from Kirikiri, with a four-wheel drive, and they snapped the strop trying to pull it out for me. And then finally, a big waste management truck pulled up with a big Hyatt, brand-new one, and with a local, local married guy driving, and he hooked me out of the drain. And I went, wow. And I rang his boss. I got his number off his boss, and I rang there in front of him, and, and – proceeded to praise him for what he'd done for me, helping me on the side of a busy road when no one else would stop. And um, and he loved that. And he, I was putting up another hoarding last week and he drove by in the same truck, stopped and had a yarn with me. And, and I looked at him and I thought, wow, these guys are backing me. And 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 this is really encouraging for Northland. Good. To be. Yeah. So absolutely. jumping ahead, all going well, a good wind comes behind, God smiles, and Matt King and two or three Democracy NZ uh, candidates are in Parliament, and mm. National Act uh, forming a government, 
let's say they don't need your vote particularly, I can imagine, but they'd rather you on board in, in the tent than outside. What would you be asking for? What are your top two or three things that you would say, these are the things that people who voted for me and voted for Democracy NZ really need to happen. We know we're we're supporting you. We're supporting the centre-right. We don't want that other crowd back. But we need a bit because people voted not for National, not for ACT, but for Democracy New Zealand. Okay, so for a start, I would say I don't want ministerial positions. I don't want to be in Cabinet because I want to uh, be able to criticise when I need to. Yeah. I would say if you respect the Bill of Rights, repeal every bit of legislation that breached the Bill of Rights, starting from the current one and then working your way backwards, and then don't pass any legislation that breaches the Bill of Rights and that we will withdraw our support uh, if you do that. And that's why I need the balance of power so I've got some leverage. The Thank second you. thing I'd say is I want to fight back on this climate change stuff because the absolute evidence doesn't support the position they've taken, and it's all right. there to read. You know, it's it's black and white. It's, it wasn't the case two years ago. It was doom and gloom two years ago. Since then, the whole lot of things have happened that have shown, you know, the the the, um, the methane levels, you know, the temperature, the, the modelling, the views, everything. It's all it's all up for grabs now. So I would say, why do we need to hammer our farmers um, when we're actually the best in the world? We should be praising them and helping them. So that's the second thing. And the third thing I'd say is, I want to be the the guy that's the calls the elephant in the room. You know this this gender ideology stuff with the kids. You know you, you don't have to be anti-trans to be pro-women. You know it's really easy. Let's just call it how it is and be open and honest with people and tra be truly transparent. And I know you're probably listening to me, Rodney, going, "Oh, he's joking." But you know you were a little bit like that. You're a bit of a perk buster. You were a bit of a guy that was outspoken and did a few things in your time, and that's what you were known for. And I want to be that guy as being the honest guy that says, hey, this is not right. It's not politically correct to talk this way, but let's be, let's have that open conversation. That's what I want. And if you're a two or three percent party, say, with yeah. a seat, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. And I want to build on that. I want to, I've got a whole bunch of people that are on our list waiting to come in that that will wait for, for 2026. Okay. They will be willing Tell to Tell me. So I, yeah. You must know a little bit about Luxon, right? And Nicola, is it Willis? Nicola, Nicola, Nicola Willis. Yep. Um, forgive me, but I can't. Oh, it's almost stand them. This madness. They're worse than Helen Clark ever was in terms of their <laughs> positions on climate change and gender ideology. Yeah. It's. Luxon's all in on climate change. Now, he can't shift. He's boxed himself in even, you know, I mean, why? Why would you be a leader and deputy leader of the National Party and come along and say we've got to shut farming down because the UN says so and we have to let men into the uh, girls' toilets and I'm not going to talk about it because you're on another planet. Can you explain that behaviour to me? Look, I, I don't know um, 
Chris Luxon at all. I met him a few times. I met his wife, you know, at a couple of events, and I was an MP when he was an MP for three weeks, and that's the end of it. So I don't know his background. I don't know anything. But I did come in with Nicola Willis. I, I came in on the same intake as her, so I know her. So we were rookie MPs for three three years, and I remember thinking that she's going to make Prime Minister one day because just the way she is, she's like that. But she's she they're very left. They could fit, fit in well with the Labour Party. They could actually be in the Labour Party and, and fit quite, do you think quite well. That, do you think Nicholas is actually thinks that? or she needs to think that to get to be the boss look i wouldn't want to put i wouldn't want to be inside her head but um she's a political animal and but i believe she strongly does feel that way she's you know she's she's got her views and i didn't agree with her views when i was with when i was in there what i can say is that the the national party had six sitting full-time farmers when i was there some of them in senior positions and they'll have none next time the senior guys are all gone They've all retired or left, so they've got no farmers in there, only junior new new intake farmers. And I, I look at it and I go, there's a there's got to be a mix of conservative and farming type practical people Absolutely. in the party to steer them, keep them to the. Are you serious the, about that? The farmers are gone from national MPs. They totally have. I was there. There were six farmers there, actually farmers that had farms that farmed, and I was one of them. And uh, they're all gone. Barbara Kruger's the only one, and she's been busted down the list. So the, all the rest are gone. You know. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've We're cutting across. I do apologize. And my li- and listeners will be texting and emailing me furiously. So forgive me. <laughs> um, I loved it. I weekend the family and I drove up to Christchurch and back from Queenstown. Yeah. We saw a dozen signs. Democracy New Zealand. Family, freedom, farming. Yeah. I love that sign. I love that sign because freedom, family, farming tells me a lot. It actually tells me a lot. I can't imagine any other political party putting freedom, family, and farming. I imagine the Conservative Party could. Liz going good, but you know what I mean? Can you imagine National coming out and saying we're standing for family, for farming, and for freedom? They can't do it. No, no, no. I think I like that endorsement, Roddy. I feel really chuffed that you that you like that. Hey, look, what we've got is in our party is we've got people that are amazing people, and they're all none of them are politicians. I'm the only one that's actually got any political experience, but they're all just passionate people, and the and the supporters and volunteers we've got behind us is amazing. I mean, we get people ring up and say, how much for the hoarding, um, how much for 10 hoardings, freight and thing, and then put the money in our account and we freight them the hoardings and then they go and put them up. And Isn't that amazing? We, it's Isn't amazing. That amazing? Yeah. And they don't have a candidate. And we had and one, I saw them. I saw the hoardings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's I, funny, I isn't it? They, they, they weren't people that you asked to put them up. They actually contacted you and paid money to put up a hoarding. Totally. And we've got a woman saying masters in that, does art she's got not she's not a woman of means and she she paints art and she sells the art she's been selling it on facebook and in the gallery and then the money she makes from doing her art she buys flyers and puts ads in the paper in that area and we give her the artwork and she rings up and says i've got another six hundred dollars so can you send us a thousand flyers and then she goes in her moped and delivers them around masterton and i'm going this is amazing this lady is amazing and and i i it blows me away it blows me away well, like there you really go. Is. Well, good luck, Matt. Is there any closing comments that you've got for our listeners? 
Look, what I say to people is this: um, you know, people have, but have what people have done is they've made judgment calls based on someone saying something about us. I'd encourage them to do their homework and do their research, and maybe do a little bit of what your gut feeling is: is Matt King legit or not? Um, and then decide on that because I am here for the right reasons. The people that are supporting me are doing it for the right reasons. We want to get into Parliament. We want to get the ship back on course. I mean, once I've done what I need to do and get the ship back on course and our Bill of Rights reinstored as a sacred document, I will be opting out and handing the reins over to someone else. I do not want to be a career politician. I'm there for the right reasons. And I appreciate the work you're doing, Rodney, and RCR Radio are doing in that respect to support people to um, get this country back on track. Well, that's lovely, Matt. We wish you all the best for the campaign. And uh, win or lose, we'll have you back uh, for your insight. I wish you good luck. Um, I love it that you've kept up your enthusiasm and your positivity because um, you do have to concentrate on the lady on the moped uh, raising money for you and not the negativity of the media and people having a whack and the lies that get told. It's a tough business, but if you concentrate on the good that's done, um, you will succeed. So good luck, Matt. That's uh, Rally Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. I've been talking to Matt King. He's the leader and founder of Democracy New Zealand. Like I said, I drove from Christchurch to Queenstown. I saw, I don't know, a dozen billboards hoardings, and I loved them because they said, had a picture of Matt, Democracy NZ, some other person I didn't know. But what I saw was family, I'll get the order wrong, doesn't matter, family, freedom, farming, the three Fs. And I thought, how wonderful, because isn't that the essence of what we should be on about? Farming, freedom, family. Get those right. Oh, my goodness, you solve a lot of problems, and we're going in exactly the other way, even if we do vote national and act. Thank you for listening. Send me a text, 2057. Email me, inbox at radleycheck.radio. The greatest threat to our democracy and our country is the belief that someone else will save it. RCR is on a mission to revive honest media, and now you too can help make that happen. Introducing the Foundation Members Club, the easiest way to support RCR and be rewarded for doing so. Receive exclusive benefits only for members, including your very own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions. And also, our all-new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, delivered to your email inbox every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio slash members and see how you too can join the mission that's making a difference. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Uh, email me inbox at I've been going around the citizen parties. That's my new name for the what's called the third parties, the minor parties. These are the parties that have actual people uh, standing for our parliament so we can have a citizen parliament rather than uh, politicians who sound like robots uh, when you interview them. And i got to say, I wish I had a vote for every one of them because they've all been lovely. And I know I'm going to want to vote for this one too. So I'm going to have to go into that ballot box multiple times because we have got on the wonderful, marvellous Leighton Baker. Good morning, Leighton. G'day, Rodney. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Oh, well, I feel as though we should declare a conflict of interest because your daughter, the wonderful Chantelle Baker, is a host on the show. So I'm totally biased and compromised. Also, also, yes. Also, I saw you at the protest. And not only were you at the protest, you were, I wouldn't say a leader there, but you played a key role in keeping things on track and in interacting with the police and being a calm voice and being, I would say, a supporter of a diverse and angry community. And I was extremely impressed by you. That's very kind. Thank you. That's that is high praise from you, Rodney. Yeah. Well, you weren't just there. You played a big role. And um, to be there and then to be standing for Parliament is something. But I saw you behind the scenes working um, with people and with groups. And you were very calming and very reassuring and you you're one of those guys that people look to because you're seeing you know what to do if you know what i mean you're wise so i really much i observed that genuinely and um it's not a thing that we see much i think these days and you didn't do it in a self-aggrandizing way you just did it, and uh, I certainly was a witness to it, and I'm happy to tell anyone that um, you played a critical role. And by the way, I've just remembered this. You were arrested. Yeah, I got a free night on the on the uh, taxpayer, yeah, with my, with my own toilet and everything. It's amazing. <laughs> Luxury. Mm. How extraordinary is it? So you can say now, hand on heart, standing at this election, along with Chris Hipkins. Oh, yes, I've been to a parliamentary protest. Oh, yes, I was uh, arrested. Um, to be fair, you didn't do it in your youthful days when you are at university. You did it as a granddad and a leader of a political party. You still got arrested. That's quite a that's quite a claim to fame. Well, it just meant when I got back, my grandson said to me, well, you can't tell me how to be good now, can you? <laughs> now, you're a very successful builder and businessman. Um, you've just finished a gigantic pour on a com commercial building this morning, starting at four thirty a.m. And you, poured... I, I, I didn't, I didn't place the concrete. I wasn't on the screen this morning, Rodney. I'm, my, I'm beyond that now. But um, yeah. So we, we did our last physical hard graft on Friday, getting it ready, and then had a whole lot of concrete places in there, and I was just supervising and making sure that no one got run over. Yeah, uh, so, so your job was collecting morning this morning mm. the foundation in, and then you just saw that they poured it and they they poked the concrete in the right place and left the steel in place. Well, it's it, we, we we did all the foundations. That the guys that came today are places, and uh, that's a specialist role. I've done a little bit of it, but there's no way I'd tackle that size floor. You know, they have half a dozen guys, and they they uh, they definitely earn their money. They definitely earn their money because yeah. they bent double. And it's shifting concrete. If you need to shift it from one side to the other, it's heavy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it, it's but these guys weren't all that young either. Actually, I mean, there are a couple of younger guys, but most of them were sort of not not that far off. My, I'd, I'd say I've probably got ten years on them. It's not that much really, and they're still grunting it. You know, it's great. And 
Victor, you've spent your whole life around people who build things for a living, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just what I do. Yeah. Um, they're different. It's like farmers or people that actually create stuff, make stuff, grow things, and do things. They are so remarkably different in outlook to people who teach, and no disrespect, work in an office, law partners, um, where it's a lot more, shall we say, social and therefore slash political and uh, versus out in the rain confronting physics and nature <laughs> to yeah. make your living. Well, actually, what I think is one of the biggest things, Rodney, is it's problem solving. Like yes. most tradies, it's problem solving. If you're a mechanic, you're trying to solve why the car or the tractor or the boat doesn't go. If you're a builder, yeah, you've got to put all the bits together, but but your problem solving is why don't those bits fit together, where that's bits meant to go and, and how to make that work. And uh, so you've got that part to it. So I think that's that critical thinking or looking at something go, okay, something not right here, how do we fix it? We, we Last year during the produce set, I had a reasonable size house we were doing. And the interesting thing is of all the subbies, so subbies are the subcontractors in you know, we had guys putting the jib wood on and doing the jib stopping and putting the cladding on and, and doing the roof and, you know, placing the concrete uh, floor and, and that, you know, drain layers and plumbers and sparkies and all those people. So they're all subcontractors and, you know, cleaning your toilets and emptying your bins and all that. So if all of them came on, there was only one of all the ones that came onto my site that had voluntarily gone and got the treatment, only one, uh, which I thought was remarkable because I didn't have a big sign out saying, you know, you know if, if you've been injected, don't come on my site. There was none mm. of that. Of all those guys, then you're just talking, oh, I don't want that, no, I don't want that, I'm not interested in that, oh, that, that sounds dodgy. And to me it was quite interesting. Um, considering because you're thinking that they have to think for themselves at their work. Yeah, they do. So you'd think, oh, maybe they'd, get, they'd want to go and get jabbed up so that they don't get sick and they carry on work. But these guys are looking at going, something doesn't look right, something's not, not on the level, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that was the remarkable thing about the protest because the people that were protesting are people that have never protested before and they were angry and they were determined, but they were problem solvers and capable. So toilets could appear, showers could be made, uh, water could be attended to, uh, people could be kept safe. And it was a very, very capable bunch of people at that protest. And the security bollards could be electrically withdrawn Yes. <laughs> I was just the greatest thing in my life. And then, of course, you're used, I guess, when you're doing a, a big job, you are organising the big picture of groups of men and women, I guess, subbies, um, to a task. And then that sort of came, that was a skill that came in useful at the protest. Um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see you there. And um, I thought you displayed great courage and great principles, and you stood up to be counted when the easiest thing was just to sit on the sidelines and see how it plays out. Um, and I have total respect for that. Now, tell me, 
you're now in the election campaign. It's not, to quote Winston Peters, your first rodeo. You've been in election campaigns before. Tell me about this campaign, your political party, and what you hope to achieve. Awesome. Um, yeah, so at the beginning of the year, there was a poll that came out on News Hub, and, and for some reason it had my name on the preferred prime minister at 3.9%, which is, you know, it, it's not New Zealand wants you as prime minister, but what it said was there's a significant group of people out there that want to see you stand for parliament. That, that was the message I took from it. So then we thought, well, we've, we've got to stand. So I just wanted to stand as an independent in my electorate. Uh, and I was hoping to link with other independents around New Zealand standing in their electorates because what I what, what I learned from the parliament was the fact that when we allow people just to work to their strengths, we get a really good community. And like mm. you say, they were just genuine people, they're problem solving. And it was a marvellous place to be. So I thought, well, one thing that's ruining New Zealand is this excess of control where um, it seems to me that the central government just wants to control everything people do rather than release them to reach their full potential. And party politics, which is when you have people that are getting into parliament on a list, so they're not responsible to anyone per se, but they are responsible to their party, has sort of spoiled democracy. We've lost our democracy because what happens now is, is they do what they're told by their party leaders because their party leader determines if they've got a job instead of being responsible to the people of New Zealand. So I we're going to combat that. We have to just stand in our electorate and say, we want to represent you in Parliament. And so I thought if we've got a group of independents standing in the different electorates and they came under an umbrella to get the party vote, that would be a more de democratic form of governance. So the party wouldn't control them because there mm -hmm. is no party structure over them. There's simply a group of independents working together. But you can't do that. I didn't realise at the time, independents aren't allowed to be under an umbrella. Uh, so we had to form a party, but but that's the structure of what we've formed. So any candidates, they run their own campaign, they do their own thing, they agree to a set of principles, but they're there to represent their electorate uh, yeah. and hear the voice. That's what it's about. It's a, it's a change in how politics works, but what I look at is a system that's broken and it's destroying people, and we can't just change the icing on the top of the cake. We actually have to change the structure, and mm. so that's what we're setting out to do. I've got to know you, Leighton, and uh, thank you. I've got to know you, and it's been a blessing to me to know you. And so I know you're not ego-driven, um, and I understand perfectly that you've named your party the Leighton Baker Party because that's what people identified with. They knew you, and um, you naturally, I would have done exactly the same. I would have called myself the Leighton Baker Bait. No, um, <laughs> but that that was the thing that people knew. So you come up with a new name, they'd never connect you with that party. But in doing that, I understand what you're saying about the electorates. You're also, are you seeking the party vote as well? Well, we obviously are because more representation. And, and the thing, because that uh, poll came out, obviously it's not just my electorate that was saying that. So people mm. from around New Zealand, the context said, we want to be able to vote for you. So that's why we have to do the party vote. Mm. The, the Leighton Baker name is simply, it's just marketing. That's all it is. Yes. So back in no, I know you. You don't You don't have to explain. No, I, I can reassure well, listeners. Yeah. Um, it, simply, Baker. how do you market a new name in a short period yeah. of time? You just can't. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And, no. and Colin Craig and Kim.com and um, Gareth Morgan, they spent millions of dollars marketing their names. And, and I just haven't got millions of dollars to spend on it. So we had to use the one thing we had in our hand, which is the name. That's all it is. So 
I sort of see the name as something separate to me, which is a bit difficult because I sort of use it most days. Yes, of course. And you've got that dry sense of humour, which I enjoy. Um, so we've got the late Leighton Baker party and it's got candidates standing in the electorates for the electorate uh, vote and you're also going for the party vote. Um, can you give us a brief overview of your principles and values and policies? Yeah, so it's it's the principles is the key thing because policies, I believe, should be developed by the people. I think what's happened over the last few years is politicians come up with policies and ram them through Parliament that nobody wanted, nobody needed, and they spend a vast fortune on it, and it doesn't matter what the people think, they just force it through. Well, that, that's not democracy. So we're saying as a party, we've got a group of principles, and our, our principles are that all laws uh, that come into play in New Zealand must be for the benefit of New Zealand, so they shouldn't be orchestrated or initiated by any offshore overseas group, whether it's a government, intergovernment, or um, company style. So all laws should be based on the good of New Zealand. We should uphold all the Bill of Rights for New Zealanders, so that's enshrining those, so the government can't have government overreach when it does that. Uh, we want to see a reduced size of central government, so we're all committed to reducing the size of the bureaucracy and empowering local uh, areas more, because you know, you're, you're in Wanaka or, or um, Aritown, somewhere down there. I'm in Canterbury. In, in New Zealand, in different areas, they have different needs. They do things differently. Why should central government control them? Why should mm. central government say to the West Coast, you cannot have a dam on that river? Mm. Central government doesn't live there. They're not trying to survive there. That's up to the locals to decide. So we need to disempower central government and give that power to the regions. That actually reduces... Um, what we'd see is corruption, whether it's bribery, coercion, uh, or just pressure. When one person has too much power, they're too open to that. So reducing central government is really, really important. Enshrining the Bill of Rights is really, really important. Uh, laws that only benefit are there for the benefit of New Zealand is really important. And then seeking a more direct democracy uh, as we move forward is really important to us. So uh, those are the main, I mean, if you're summarising them, there's more, but just in summary, that that's the key principles of it, that we want to represent the people of New Zealand by them having a voice. And and in the future, my vision in the future is we, we have a more de democratic system where the people get to know what the government's thinking or uh, in regards to policy. So you might come up with a policy of removing GST on fresh fruit and veggies, which I don't think you would, but, you know, then, then that gets put out to the people. And the people, and you also give them the options of why this is a good law and why it's not a good law so you have two different groups come up with those and the people get first it comes through we're looking at this policy then these are the 10 reasons why we're looking at it and then are the, these are the 10 reasons why not and below is a chat group we can talk and discuss with other people and then before people vote they've got a tick that they've read all of those different 20 points and then they can vote so you're getting a a feel for where the people are at. And if it's 50-50, you do more research. But in most cases, when we've had a referendum in New Zealand, it's been overwhelming one way or the other, mm. which means the politicians then are de-guided by the people. They have to do what the people say rather than, oh, we don't care, we're doing our thing, we've got an agenda, we don't give a toss what you want. You voted us to rule over you like an oligarch and we're going to, which is the system we have at the moment. I'm guessing you would describe yourself as centre-right? Uh, I'm definitely not always right. Um, ask my wife, but but yeah, I, that's the right and left thing. I mean, for me personally, I, I believe you've got to have free choice and free speech. Um, that's vitally important, and there also has to be accountability for actions. You, you've got to take some responsibility okay. for your actions. But I yeah, also I can't imagine you supporting a Labour Green Maori Party in government. 
I couldn't at the moment. I look at what they've done to New Zealand, or they've destroyed it. That, that I, it's hard to recognise, and I don't know how we're going to dig ourselves out of the hole they've dug us, dug us really, because they like they've gone and got a mortgage for a big flash house, and then they've thrown in the job. That's what they've yeah. done. And there's only one outcome if you do that. Yeah. So I want you to, with that, got to get rid of those guys. Tough job for whoever gets in. It looks likely a National Act government. Maybe Mr. Peters is in and maybe Leighton Baker Party. Now, what are your criticisms of National and Act? What is it that troubles you about them so much so that you have formed your own party. Part of it is to do, do with what happened last year, where the leaders of those parties basically said, grab them and jab them, put them out of schools and jab them, hold their, their um, resources back and jab them. And I've just met too many people that have been destroyed by it. The second thing is none of those guys actually came out of parliament and actually asked the people there, why are you here and what is your big beef? None of them actually initiated a conversation to say, okay, there's a lot of you claiming you're injured, but tell us how it happened, sign that for David. None of them actually represented the people last year. So for them to come out this year and say, we want to represent you, no, you don't. You're not even remotely interested. You've got an agenda. It's actually, it's actually disgusting what they did, isn't it? They're saying they vote for us to keep our job or give us a job. And the same political parties, Act and National, signed up with Jacinda Ardern to see people's lives destroyed, families divided, the country trashed. And then when the people rose up, not all, but a big chunk rose up, they denigrated us and wouldn't even give us a respect. They could have put on a hazmat suit and come out and spoken <laughs> to us with their little respirators on. Yeah. But they refused. And now they expect us to vote for them. Well, it's actually probably a bit even worse than that, Rodney. Now, yes. they knew, and they now have no shadow of a doubt, that what they were forcing people to take did not stop the transmission of the disease. Their mandates were worthless and useless, but they have not come out and one said, we're sorry we got that wrong, or two, acknowledge the harm that it's caused. And, and they just keep doubling down. And, and that's the thing that winds me up. I'm, I'm meeting people, even on Friday, I sat beside a guy 22 months um, after he got damaged, and he, he is walking now, and he's getting a bit of feeling back. He is still nowhere near right. 22 months, no recognition. Um, it's his own problem, his own fault. Pay for it yourself. And... Destroyed his, they destroyed his life, and they won't even recognise what they've done to him. That's 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 not leadership. That's that's what scummy people do. That's what people you don't trust do. That's what people you don't want in your company do. Good people take ownership of bad decisions. Say, got it wrong. I'm really sorry. What can I do to help? None of these guys have done that. So none of them it's are heinous. actually for purpose. It's none. absolutely heinous. They'll never have. They'll never have my vote ever, right. ever, ever again for what they did. Um, and as you say, still, speaking of that vaccine-injured gentleman that you meet, 
we all know in our lives people that are injured and we hear through social media and through RCR many, many people. We don't know the full extent, but we fear it is large and we worry that it could be growing. What would you do for the vaccine injured should you have the privilege of getting to Parliament? Well, the first thing I'd do is open up centres around New Zealand so people that are vaccine injured to go go and tell their story, say what happened to them and sign an affidavit on it. So we actually get a full, we understand the scale of it. Because from what I read about the, the uh, review the government was going to do, it's a bit like, you know, the Police Complaints Authority did a review of the police on it. The lady, one of the ladies I met, her, her directive was to look at how they operated machinery. <laughs> well, we got a protest where people are there who have lost their jobs, family members, health, and the directive was, well, you know, did the police use machinery safely? And I just, you know, this is unbelievable. So the first thing is actually to hear from the people that are hurt and let them be hurt. Uh, then the government has to acknowledge the harm that's been caused and allow those people to be helped through ACC. Um, and, and that's vitally important. And we have to have a, a proper open review on the whole process from where to go. Why, why did they ban a treatment that had been in for 30 years and proven safe and effective so they could force on a treatment that hadn't been proven safe and effective on the people in New Zealand? Who made that decision? Why? On what advice? All those things have got to be looked at. Why, why are there so many health practitioners that are saying we're not allowed to say anything because we'll lose our jobs? Who was putting that pressure on them? Who's behind that? Where did that directive come from? Because those are the things that have destroyed the accountability in New Zealand where medical professionals are saying we can't say anything, we'll lose our jobs. But we see this guy I spoke to on Friday, he was in a pool in Burwood and his condition, and I've forgotten what it's called, um, not Bell's palsy, but some syndrome like that it was full of people like that and his physio said yeah there's heaps of them they're just they're everywhere but we can't say anything because we'll lose our jobs it, that that's just so wrong that those people were had were muzzled by government that continued to say we're caring and we have all the truth for you so it's all of that that has to be exposed who put the pressure on who was forging the lies who was controlling people and and those people actually need to be held to account because they're the ones that have caused the harm. I'm sitting here listening to you talk, Leighton, and I apologise because I just, I went numb, not through your words, well, through what you're saying, but through the experience, because mm -hmm. it's inconceivable that in this great country, the opposition could sign up to the government for a monstrous tyranny, and then within that tyranny, which was bad enough, the lockdowns, closure of businesses, the damage to people's lives and livelihoods. But to produce that vaccine mandate and run those stupid campaigns to put that shit in your body and then to have it harm people and for all of them to look away and to walk away from those damaged people yeah, and to silence professionals who would like to speak up but are too scared to. That's not like any country you want to live in. And then the so-called leader of it comes out and says it was their choice. Well, 
Well, you know, that means it's our choice whether we pay tax because it's the same thing, isn't it? If you don't, you might be locked up or lose everything, but it's still your choice. So the most, I, I was grossly offended and I thought some bad thoughts when I heard that, just non-Christian thoughts. Very, very close, probably. Borderline at best. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> but you know what really disappointed me about Hipkins doing all that? The opposition couldn't criticise them. No. No. Where were they? They're not opposition. We haven't had an opposition. That's my thing. I, You know, apart from the fact that if National and Labour joined together, it would be the end of both parties. Apart from that, I think they could. The, the, the difference between them was small, not large. And the ACT Party could jump into bed with them as well. Um, yeah. and, and probably and, will. And, and we saw that. And so it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum and Tweedledee or Dumber or something. And honestly, I love what New Zealand First are saying. I love some of their candidates. I can never vote for them because I know over and over and over again, Winston Peters doesn't mean it, and he will just do what Winston does. He'll get in. I'm sure he'll get in. He's very good at it. He's very good at electioneering. But I can't see him affecting the change. He might surprise me, but I cannot bring myself to vote for him. So my vote is a single-issue voter for the vaccine injured. Uh, I've got a lot of small parties or citizen parties that are going to do something for the vaccine injured. Sadly, I've only got my electorate and my party vote to spend. I'd like to give it to them all because I think they've all been fantastic. And I understand they can never come together. It's just the nature of politics. But it's wonderful to see that we have this emergence of these citizen parties who actually have a great point of difference because the legacy parties and the legacy media signed up against us. And, and, but it's a it's a continuation, isn't it? It's not one off. Look, I was happily building uh, many years ago, and a guy called Larry Bulldog called onto my building site in his camper van and said, "Can you give us a hand with this anti-smacking bill and what's going on with this?" And I looked at it, and and it's what got me involved in politics, not necessarily the smacking, but the fact that we had a referenda where 87 or 88 percent of the people responded and said don't bring this law and the government basically said get stuffed i went hold on whether you like it or not that's what the people were telling you but we haven't got democracy anymore because the government are overruling us and it's it's increased i think that the government have just taken that on board that we can do whatever we like and the people won't fight back so we hold the reins and to me that it's referendum. I'm thinking that referendum was 2005. Would that be correct? No, 2008. Then it makes me feel old, so I'd probably try not to think about it. Well, that was a big thing because it was overwhelmingly the people spoke they didn't want it. And I can't remember what election year it was. And I mean, then remember... John Key came in. Yeah, John Key and Helen Clark cut a deal. That's right. John Key and Helen Clark cut a deal uh, to get the bill through with both national and Labour support. So it was just before the 2008 election. He signed up to it. 
the National Party signed up to it, and he was considered this great, um, it was a great theatre of politics because uh, Helen Clark was making heavy weather of it. John Key came along and so-called solved the problem for to everyone's satisfaction. And Sue Bradford, oh my goodness, Bill could pass into law. The ACT Party stood against, it's coming back to me now. The referendum occurred. I got to sit in the negotiating room with John Key and meet with him for three years every week. Him, him, and, him and I to discuss, you know, politics and what we were doing in government. And I said to him, just get rid of the smacking bill. Right? People overwhelmingly want that. It was a referendum. And he looked at me, and what he said next made me walk away, funnily enough, thinking he was a great politician. Because he said to me, oh, but if I do that, the media will turn on me. And they will turn on me eventually, but I don't want them to turn on me in my first week. There's a lot of me's in that sentence, isn't there? There's a lot of me's, mm. but he was also saying that he and his party or government couldn't withstand falling foul of the legacy media and even people that would support him on the smacking would eventually be turned off because it would be endless bang, bang, bang. And I thought that was quite wise or politically smart because he kept the media sort of not being able to attack him. But what a terrible state of a democracy where a political leader, the prime minister, the number one, has to place carrying favour with a bunch of brain-dead journalists over the citizens of the country. And, and what effect has that law had? Has it had a positive or negative effect? Are we seeing less child abuse? Are we seeing less crime? Of not. Are of we seeing not. more compliance? Of no, we, we disempowered authority, which encouraged anarchy, and we're seeing anarchy and we're going, oh, my goodness, how'd that happen? Well, yeah. every, everything's designed to undermine communities, families, farming, men and women, all the things that make the individual strong, yeah. which is responsibility and freedom, your family and your community, your husband and your wife, your children, the ability even to have a family farm or a small family business, all of that has been eroded. And even the ability to be a plumber is being eroded because if you have the wrong thing, you'll probably lose your license. Has has that has been done to empower the state and the tyrants. And I don't even think John Key was a tyrant. It was the system that was tyrannical and he was displaying his little bit in it. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. And and that's the trouble. Um, people are not standing up to what is uh control the population. And Obviously, I'm a small businessman and I mix a lot with other small business people and it's a hard graft out there. It really is. And the amount I meet now that are saying, 
I've had enough. I'm just pulling out. Well, I'm going back to one-man band. I can't be bothered anymore. It's a serious concern, and it looks to me like what happens, I think, is as central government grows, there's more people making the rules and enforcing the rules, and they have to make more rules to keep themselves busy. Yeah. But those rules, they apply on, on mainly the middle of the central small business person, and you just you – if my job is to build houses and I'm spending most of my time on, on compliance issues, I'm not building houses, I'm not fulfilling my core role. I don't get paid for filling out paper. I get paid to build houses. And it's mm. the same for farmers get paid to produce food. You know, across the board, we're paid to produce something, but if we're – most of our time or a lot of our time is being absorbed in filling paperwork out for the government – then we're not producing, and then then we're not actually earning money, and then why bother? Uh, and that's that's the problem. The farmers want to get out of farming; they just can't sell their land. Um, or no one wants to buy it to farm because it's too much work. Um, well, it's it's really scary out there. Like, like New Zealand is in a real bad place. It's in a real bad place. It is in a real, a real bad place, and it's uh a values thing, a cultural thing. It's about who we are and what we stand for. And um, we are, those of us who are citizens have been left bewildered and confused. And um, sort of de-emphasize, we don't count. And you really feel that in the community when you look around. And um, they came for the men, and men can no longer be men, manly. Now, a woman is nothing special because a man can become a woman, for sure. It's not even an, a, a, an argument. And then you are defined not by who you are, but who your grandparents were. It's an extraordinary turn of events. And again, national some extent act go along with it and they quibble at the margins they don't fundamentally say no stop and they this get us arguing they get the plebs arguing over whether we're going to plant lettuces and cabbages meanwhile they're selling all our land off so we won't be able to plant yes. any that, that's yes. the reality it's a, of it it's a it's a it's a fantastic trick yep of politics that I could see now from the outside that I couldn't see from the inside was just to create these fake choices. Do you want this or do you want that? And as soon as you're forced to be thinking about do I want this or do I want that, actually I've lost the argument yep. because they forced me into that um, debate. I mean, we're having this argument, say, about oh, do we put methane into the emissions trading scheme or something, rather than we don't want any of it? Or um, should the, should should you be three metres social distancing or four metres, right? And everyone, you can be arguing about that. Or do you want co-governments with 10 entities or five or three? Yeah. No. We want one person, one vote, irrespective of the colour of your skin, and worse than that, they've divided us, whether you're Maori or not Maori. They've divided us on whether you're vexed or not vexed. Uh, they've divided us on whether you're in the country or not a, 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 in the town. All these ways that politicians have sliced and diced 
what is a community and made us tribal into those groups has what also has empowered them. Isn't it interesting? So everyone has a belief system. Um, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I have a Christian belief system. But at Parliament, you know, we, we had all sorts there. You know, you had the Hardy Krishnas, um, mm. you, had, you had Muslims, you had the whole lot there. And actually we got on like a house on fire because we respected each other. You allowed your opinion, you allowed your belief system, I allowed mine. We can actually share it with one another and talk to each other about it. But just because yours is different to mine, it doesn't mean I hate you. But it seems to be the media that tries to push the hate. Or if you're not exactly the same, you hate them. And it's simply not true. And Mark Twain had this great analogy. He said, you put 100 fire ants and 100 black ants in a jar and they're fine. You put a lid on the jar and shake it and they'll kill each other. And so, <laughs> so the thing point. then is, is who's shaking the jar? Because I'm sort of like, I, I saw 50 quite a few years ago now. And in my lifetime, you know, generally... I've played sport with people of all different ethnicities. Um, I've worked with all of them. There's never been any drama. We're just people that are maybe slightly different coloured skin, um, maybe different belief systems, different backgrounds, but the commonality of what we're doing, whether it's sport or work or anything, is what draws us together. And we can have our differences, and that's fine. But but somehow the media bringing in this thing, if, you haven't, if you're not the same, then we're going to demonise you and, and make you less than human so we can treat you differently. And we put this animosity in, and, and it's it's not real, but people are believing it. And that's the thing that gets me. There's too many people jumping in on that that bandwagon of if someone has a different belief system to me, they're my enemy. And it, and it's just not true. Um, you're allowed a belief system, so am I. I can share it, but I can't force it on you. That's the key. And this government have a belief system, but they're forcing it on the people of New Zealand. That is what is wrong. Um, you are 100% right, and you I fear... Leighton, that this current election is not going to reverse it. Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised because the people, the people of New Zealand have got to want the change. Mm. And I, I see a lot of them are because in the polls, with Labour dropping out the bottom, National should be on 50%, mm. but they're not because people don't trust them either. So people are going to act in New Zealand first because they're justifying it as, oh, well, I'll get across the line so I'll get something for my vote. But it's just as dumb as last election where they decided to all vote Labour and get rid of Greens because it'll be better for New Zealand. Well, look at the disaster we've got. Mm. It, people have actually got to start voting for people they trust instead of well, instead of strategic because when well, you don't my, trust them, you're stuffed. Yeah. My view is you've got to vote. You vote for the party you want. You don't care about the threshold because um, your one vote ain't going to change anything for National or Labour. But if you vote for a, a party that doesn't make it, you're still registering that choice, and the other parties will take note. And um, so don't worry. To me, I don't worry about whether they're going to make it or not. I'll vote for um, the party that I most like, and i got a big choice amongst the third parties. It's tough. Um, I'd like to vote for each of them. Um, but my little... My little thing is to give them an opportunity on Rally Check Radio. And I have to say, uh, none of them have disappointed me. They've been, they're wonderful and they're, they're real people like you standing. And they're people that I have enormous respect for. And there isn't one party that I wouldn't want to see in Parliament. And I have to tell you, I don't want to see Labour there. I don't want to see National there. I don't particularly want to see ACT there. I don't want to see the Greens there. I don't want to see the Maori Party there. I don't want to see New Zealand First there. 
and yet that's what we're stuck with. And um, I hear well, are, we, these, are we, Rodney? Well, we're no. not. We're not stuck with it if we choose because no vote has yet been cast. Yep. And we could con completely reverse it. And uh, you're giving us that opportunity by standing. And um, if they're only there because people choose to vote for them. And if you choose to vote for them, you'll get the same old, same old. And it's only if you vote for citizens, I think, first, and reluctant politicians second, that will affect the change that we also desperately want. You're on Radley Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We've been talking to Leighton Baker. Now, Leighton, how can we find out more about your party? Have you a website? Yep, yeah, we've got uh, Leighton Baker Party uh, dot co.nz uh, goes to the website we're just actually making a new one because the old one we're just having trouble with it but it's meant to be launched the next couple of days or so right. um we're on facebook Leighton baker on facebook uh got telegram and that so people can find us here um, they can email us Leighton baker party nz at proton.me um the reality is rodney I, I agree with you that the people standing and in, in, in your the other parties that we call them are awesome people. I've met them and they're just lovely. Met, I met Matt King in Northland AMP show and you couldn't have asked for this is when I was the leader of NC. Couldn't have, and he was with National. Couldn't have been couldn't have been friendlier, more accommodating, just the nicest guy. Um genuine guy. Uh you know, Brian Brian Tamaki, he's he spent yeah. way more time inside than me. Um and he's organized a whole lot of freedom rallies, he and his wife Hannah. And yeah. I've met them. They're, they're actually lovely, lovely people. Sue Gray has worked their butt off on the different court cases. Um yeah. just a genuine, lovely person. And and they are because the only reason they're saying everyone goes on and I've heard it, oh, they've got big egos. Man, I, I haven't seen that with them. I've seen people no. have seen a problem, which is where New Zealand's at. And they're willing to give up. None of them are getting paid, I don't think. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Not, we don't. But it's they're willing to give up what they have got for a better New Zealand. And, you know, if New Zealand does click on to the fact that there's a whole group of people there that actually want to serve them and want to help them and want to them to have their freedoms back, it could change this whole country. But it's we the could. only thing we will because yeah. if we get same old, and same old, we're each stuck. Of us, each of us have that power this election. Yeah. Each and every one of us. Leighton, it's always a pleasure. The great thing about voting for Leighton Baker is you'll vote for one, you'll get two, because his lovely wife will be beside him. And she's absolutely a treasure. And you'll have her, his daughter uh, beside him. Uh, Leighton, I salute you, sir. I salute you for standing. I salute you for getting that concrete pour done. Um, uh, and actually working and building and not just talking. Uh, you're a doer. I wish you every success in this coming election i wish you a good wind to fill your sails and get you over the line and whatever the outcome i promise you we'll talk after the election that'd be awesome i'd love to catch up with you again rodney and maybe in person sit down because uh, you're actually great guys to stand and chat with um, oh that's very love, kind i love hearing your stories and your experience and you've got a lot to offer so thanks very much for putting your oh, effort yeah. You're very kind. That was Leighton Baker from the Leighton Baker Party. Just a great guy, great guy at the protest. Not only did he go to the protest, but he helped all of us there. And he was a great 
what you say facilitator go between between the police uh until they arrested him <laughs> hard to believe uh send me a text 2057 email me at inbox at radio, and do the only way you can waste your vote in my view is to vote for one of the parties the legacy parties the way to make your vote count is to vote for one of the citizen parties because they're the ones that will change things for the better. We've got some exciting news right out of the RCR oven. We have our very own mobile app coming out soon. It's currently in testing and it will shortly be available to download from the app stores, both iOS and Android. Thank you all for being so patient while we've been working hard behind the scenes. Our test bunnies have had a wee play on the test version, and they just know you're going to love it. Our video guy Henry has put together a little video to show you all what's in store. You can check that out at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash app. That's at realitycheck.radio forward slash app. Thanks for tuning in to RCR. Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So get in touch with us now. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember... You can send me a text at 2057. Send me an email, inbox at radio. As you recall, we're going around and we're talking to the citizen parties. Oh, my goodness, how wonderful it has been to be speaking to citizens. Like everyday people putting their names forward to represent us in our parliament, not like robots uh, belonging to some of the mainstream parties, real people. And, of course, the people that stand for Parliament are special because it's not something we all do. And um, we have along today Marky Herbert. She is a co-leader of the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party. It's got a whole lot of things unique to this party, which we're going to explore today. But first of all, good morning, Marky. Oh, good morning, Rodney. So, tēnā koutou. Tina Koto to you too. You look, I can see you, our listeners can't, but you look resplendent. And I oh. love it that you've got your Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party uh, badge so proudly displayed on your bosom, may I yes. say. On uh, my heart. On in your heart. heart and, the, and the other side. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me, are you, I, can I tell the listeners this? You're the only great grandmother that has ever stood for Parliament. Really? I can't imagine. You're a great-grandmother. I am. And it's the. I thought being a grandparent was the best thing in the world. Well, having great-grandchildren's even bigger than that. Is that right? Yeah. It's a beautiful it, place to be at. and um, Because you're reaching so far through aren't you for yeah well like, this is this is the thing when you start early in life <laughs> well i was <laughs> gonna say you only look you only look generations about, yeah you only look about 45 oh you're a darling thank you um <laughs> i'm actually 64 oh you're younger than me 
And there you go, great grandmother. How wonderful. Yes. How many children did you have? Two, boy and a girl. And so, how many grandchildren have you got? Two. Oh, well, you might start early, but you sort of breed on the economical side, don't you? <laughs> no, through, no, no choice of my own, of course. The, it's up to the kids, isn't it? <laughs> I expected you to look me down the, down the barrel and say, eight children. 67 grandchildren oh, yes. and one great grandchildren soon to be 143 but you're just <laughs> you're just holding your own at two Thank sort of you, yes. zero population growth oh my goodness now yeah. what's a great grandmother doing hanging out with the kids smoking weed actually keeping them safe knowing where they are in my in my area in my circle if that's the case my children don't smoke weed. Um, oh, how wonderful. Their, what a great yeah, story. Keep them safe. Choice. I mean, they have dabbled in it, but um, they've decided because of um, their beliefs and their careers that it's actually not appropriate for them to be partaking in smoking weed. Um, is that because they don't like the weed or is it no. because they don't like the illegality of it? It's about the yeah, sorry, illegal legality about it. Sorry. Okay, so if it was legal, a la the that your party's position, they might on a Friday night have a puff. Yeah, great. I don't know if my daughter would anymore, but she had been um, yeah. a young, um, I suppose, investigating the opportunities of what social life had and for her her early age. And she decided after a number of years, actually, it wasn't what she wanted to be doing. And mm. she is um, a well-functioning um, early 40s entrepreneur with her and her husband and her, her girls. And my son, who has a top-profile career, just doesn't want to even take the risk of no even going down there. So um, that's why I keep my children out of the, the limelight, as it were. Is it a rude question to ask if you were or are a puffer? I am. I have been since the age of 15. Really? Yeah. So for 50 years you've smoked marijuana? Yes. Well, it shows no, may I say, ill adverse effect, apart from the fact you only had two kids. If you drank alcohol, I wanted, if, I wanted more, but no. If, if you drank alcohol, you would have had eight. No, um, no. Uh, yeah, well, I gave up alcohol um, some time ago, and I actually mm. gave up tobacco when I was twenty-eight. Okay, so you have been a regular user of yes. cannabis. Do you smoke it, eat it, ingest it? How, I you got to understand me and drugs don't get along. Right. Um, even I, even the discipline affects me. Yeah. So um, do how do you take it? Okay, so I have multiple choices because I help my community with in the grey area for medicinal cannabis. Yeah. And so um, we're labelled the Green Fairies. Yeah. So that's my primary uh, motivation is to help my community. Mm -hmm. um, so we do oils, so just um, one mil in the mouth for 
pretty much any type of anxiety, pain relief, insomnia, all those types of things. So I take my oil when I'm not really well. So for when I've had um, the cough and the chest phlegm and so a bit like bronchitis, it did take a while to uh, get that under control, but we've got it under control. So, and then I do edibles. We do muffins, cookies, jellies, lollipops, and um, chocolates. Mm. So it's it's a diverse range of medication, um, just so the body, which we are born with what we call an endocannabinoid system. Yes. And what that means is that our body is ready to receive the cannabis medicine. Mm-hmm. Whatever it looks like, whether it's a puff on a joint, um, a, a spot on the oven, um, everyone has their own personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the good thing about it as well. This is not going to be compulsory for people to partake. No. This is about um, taking care of ourselves responsibly. Now, this I've had representatives of the hemp industry on this show. Yes who truly blew me away because I had no idea how, like when I heard him, I'm like a normal person in society. Oh, yeah, you're just a dope-smoking hippie freak. And I had no idea of the amazing uses that hemp can be put to, indeed the amazing pharmaceutical properties, and without the bit that gives you the high, right? Mm. And so I was astonished that in the madness to ban marijuana, we banned hemp, which had been used around the world for thousands of years for so many things. Now, when some of the the, um, cannabis product that you're talking about isn't actually got, isn't to get high, right? It is actually to get the cannabinoid which That's doesn't right. get you high. It is actually the pharmaceutical medicinal properties of that. And indeed, when one of my children was sick, I tried uh, cannabis oil, yes. which was nothing to do with getting her high. Yes. It was to, uh, uh, and that's what you're talking about here. That's right. So, so less is more when we yeah. talk about medicinal cannabis. And so that's why it ranges from a couple of drops in the mouth for the for the oil in particular. Um, well, the, the cottage industry version I'm talking about, I'm yes. not necessarily talking about the surgical pharmacy version. Yes. Um, because, well, that's another top topic altogether. Yeah. Um, so, so I can be sitting there and I might be a cannabis user and I've signed up to the Aotearoa Illegal Cannabis Party and I'm choosing to use cannabis for its medicinal purposes and I'm not taking a high Mm -hmm. I'm not actually taking is it the THC what's the drug part of it well okay so now we need to talk about what is a high do you know what a high is no idea okay so because now you've seen now now what you're doing is you're catching me out on all my prejudices and biases so I don't know (laughs) Okay, so let's get that one sorted, shall we? Please, please. Um, okay, so when you um, when you heat up the cannabis plant, it produces um, this. I can't actually say the word, the whole 
platonic name of it, but it's THC. It's broken down. Yeah. To a cannabinoid. Um, to hydrocannabinoid. Anyway, so to get a high, and what that high means to me is that I get to have a, a mind, mind experience of um, peace, yes. no anxiety. I'm happy. I might get the munchies, but that's okay. Um, and actually be able to converse and have a proper conversation under the influence of having a couple of puffs is no big deal. Okay. Now, I'm already medicated this morning. So my high is with my friends when we yes. share. Okay. And then, and then you have that social environment. That's yeah. my high. In comparison to a surgical pharmacy drug, you talk about the um, pro. Oh, what do they call it nowadays? We called it Prozacs and um, oh, antidepressants and all. Yes, and antidepressants and all those. Those. Um, what's the what's the common one that they use today? Um, Tremadol. Okay. Tremadol makes you feel like you're just non-functioning. You can't comprehend. This is you. This is continual use. You can't comprehend a normal day. You're yes. always in a zone of zombie. Yes. And that's quite different to a high. Okay. It's more. Well, I don't know what you you feel about natural. So your adrenaline, for example, when you get excited, you get your heartbeat mm. um, races. You know, when you're not expecting anything, you get a shock or you're getting excited to go for fishing or a special date or whatever. Um, those are natural highs. Okay. Your adrenaline. Yes. But when it's interfered by the surgical pharmacy drugs, because that's what they do, they interfere. They yeah. don't actually do any wellness. So your, your, your suggestion is because you have a cannabinoid system in your body, that taking cannabis is amplifying or enhancing your system, not yes. interfering with it in the same way. That's right, exactly And right. that's been your lifelong experience. Absolutely. Which no one can particularly dismiss. What is it? I can remember being around people who smoked a lot of dope, and clearly you're not one of these people in terms of effect. But I can remember them being listless. I can remember them being forgetful and not quite with it. And it wasn't something especially attractive. They were sort of zombified. Well, it, that's that's social um, conditioning, I believe, because were those people, did they have alcohol as well or were they just stoners? I have no idea. Yeah, well, see, and what the media has portrayed is this euphoria of teenagers sitting down, half puffing it so the, the room is what we call hot boxed. Yeah. Well, that's a social event. It's not necessarily the reality of what us stoners do at home. Because I've also heard of people, know of people, who have very successful jobs, yes. very successful families, high-functioning, and every day they have a puff. Yep, that's correct. And so we have I to think, change 
yeah, you, you're right. We have to change our views. Our we have to open up our visions and mm. see that actually there's a whole lot of functioning people out there, regardless of what they use, whether yeah. it be surgical pharmacy, alcohol, tobacco, um, cannabis. But then when you talk about the harder drugs, that's totally different. Okay. That when you hit the hit harder drugs, you you pretty much have to hit rock bottom before you change. Yes, and so what would happen? Have you gone periods of your life, your short life, you know, um, without yes, cannabis? I have. And what's that been like? Actually, it just reinforces that. Nobody dies <laughs> from not having it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, circumstances are, well, prior to medicinal cannabis being legal, um, if you travel to outside of the country, you would have to deal with the unregulated market. Yes. And um, so, you know, that brings problems all by itself. So it's, sometimes it's easier not to even go down that track and just have, actually give the body a rest. Bit of a detox, yeah. Yeah, a bit of a detox, you know. Um, and, yeah, so for me personally, I know that when I go away, it's not a big problem. It's okay. It's you part don't of going there. away. You don't have the DTs or you don't shake. No. And you don't, oh, God, no. I need a puff, I need a puff. You don't get no. anxious. But when you come back, when you fire up <laughs> the cannabis again and start yes. feeding your cannabinoid system, Yes. How does it make you feel? What's the difference? What's the change in you? I suppose it becomes what you've lived with all your life. So for pain, for example, people live with pain for all their lives. And then they go and try something or do something different. And it's actually made quite an um, improvement in your well-being as far as your mental health. Mm. So mm. coming back from not smoking weed it actually just reinforces nobody dies. It's okay. You don't have to puff all day. Mm. It's okay. However, if you're growing your own, you're going to be able to indulge, I suppose. Mm. I would call it indulgement. So you could puff any time of the day when you've got your own. Mm. But when you're buying it, it's a different scenario. Now, tell me what the Aotearoa legalized cannabis party would like to see happen in new zealand well we've always campaigned on legalization of cannabis mm -hmm. so in a regulated safe market mm -hmm. that's what we want and if that means that people um, vote for us to make amendments to the misuse drugs act which is basically what it is mm -hmm. that's what we want to be doing if we were to get over the 5% party vote, mm. um, that's that's the condition that we go in there. Sorry. Um, that's right. um That wasn't to me, was it? <laughs> no, she's, oh, there's a cow on the paddock. Um, so what we would like to do when we get there is just make those amendments to the Misuse Drugs Act. So we have, like I said, a legal, regulated and safe market for all of us. And that's include not just my age group, Grey Power, um, but our mokopuna and my great mokopuna. Mm. You know, it's for them. 
that I, I this is why I put my hand up was for for my grandchildren initially more well, my children and my grandchildren now I've got great grandchildren and we're still here explain to me and to listeners how making it legal regulating it to make it safe okay keeps your keeps a young because you said your big thing to standing was which was lovely was to keep the children and teenagers safe how does legalizing cannabis achieve that because on the face of it i sit there and i think ah all these kids are going to be running around coming home from school puffing on weed how the hell does that keep them safe well explain that to me Okay, so that's already happening. So this is what prohibition produces. It does. Yeah. It does, right? So yeah. prohibition doesn't work. So when we have a regulated market, we de-glamorise it. It's been proven over in Portugal. So, so this is like alcohol. Example. Yeah. No, um, no, we're talking about Portugal decriminalised all drugs. Okay. And they have seen a decrease of usage of all drugs because it's been de glamorized it's nothing like oh it's not it's not naughty you know Mm. as a teenager you tend to test those boundaries that you're not allowed to test Mm. so it is an age group um, as well that needs to be educated and I think most times a lot of people adults in today's world right now are smoking weed Mm. as well as consuming alcohol as well as smoking tobacco and a lot of people are taking meth as well Mm. i want a safe environment for myself and for my children and my generations yet to come and what that means to me is that it's got to be a regulated market so definitely um i would personally an r20 but we advocate for an r18 regulated market we talk about the industry that comes from cannabis so we talk about the dutch version of tourism Mm -hmm. and in a safe environment where they can't consume outside the shop for example or the club or the den we call it or the studio oh i see so you go you go to a place and you yeah so social clubs for example So they're all regulated with an age restriction Mm -hmm. and how much you can purchase and consume. And um, so that's one version. Also, we want to be um, in the same category as taxes as well. So all that money that is formed from the cannabis industry goes back into the health, education, um, roading, Teachers, the whole holistic healing. Because the black market disappears. That's well, it'll always be there, I've got to say, truthfully. I know it will always be there, but when we give an alternative safe environment for people to choose, which one would you choose? Mm. So that's what we offer as an idea, a solution. Um, and there's plenty of people around that are willing to jump right there. Get it up and going in two toes. Yeah, and then we t- then we talk about, of course, the employment issues that yeah. we have, particularly in the urban, uh, rural areas in particular. 
So we talk about Northland, Hitai, Tokoro and Whangarei. We talk about Southland down the bottom there, Invercargill up, you know. Um, we talk about that's where the hemp industry can actually be the solution to a whole lot of problems that we face today. Economically, um, we, we call it grow our future. Mm. And what that means is that if you can do two acres of hemp, put it into hemp crete, you can build a three-bedroom home at a third of a cost of a wooden house structure. The hemp is amazing, and I Isn't and it? I get that. And of course, that's so, part of the confusion for me. Well, I conflated all of that potential industrial use yes. with Rastafarians. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the Rastafarian religion either. I mean, this is the no, problem. But you know with what I mean. No, no, but this is the problem: is yes. that we've all been indoctrinated to believe what we've been told. And mm. as we get further down in evolution or revolution, we understand a whole lot more. We've mm. evolved mm. from thinking from one one particular way to mm. a vast amount of different opinions and views. Mm. And that's what MMP has brought to the table, that our communities can be um, um, represented by people like myself. Of course. No, so that's what MMPs for me is to put us there in amongst the major parties. We can actually take a load off them by having our own departments that they don't necessarily have to be engaged in because running a country is a bit bigger than running your your fuddy, your mm. household. Mm. You know, multiply, you know, thousand times bigger. So it takes a lot of people to have in place to have those things in place. Wonderful. Now, I want to explore a little bit the history of the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party because every election, there's a whole lot of citizen parties emerge and have an argument, make a splash, split and reform and that. Through it all, has been a constant Yes. And it's been the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party, which I recall, I think I'm correct in this, running in 1996. That's correct. That was the establishment of ALCP. With um, the MMP. And so it's run in every MMP election we've ever had. Yes. No one's done that other than the big that old yes. useless parties. And also, I can remember you popping up in by-elections. That's right. So all by-elections, all by-elections, all elections, we've had um, candidates. Isn't that amazing? And you've had candidates that have gone on to high office. Yes. Because you've had Materia Toure. Aye. who went on to become a Green MP. She stood for you. You had yes. Nandor Tanchos, who That's went on right. to become a Green MP. Yes. And you had Tim Shadbolt. That's <laughs> right. I remember all of this. Now, yes. to be fair, Tim Shadbolt stood for almost every party there is. But um, <laughs> but, but, he, um, but he did choose the right one. He did. And, um, and even better is you're the 
co-leader and your other co-leader is the wonderful Michael Appleby. That's correct. Who was stood for the party in 1996. Yes. That is a level of persistence and dedication, which I rue with some respect and consider it rather admirable. Yes. And then you start to wonder, when does it become nutty? Because you just keep going. You're not stopping, right? No, we're not stopping. We believe in this. And now, you know, since the referenda, it opened up the conversation to allow people to talk about it out loud. Mm. So you right. didn't see the referendum as the end of the matter? No, no. I take it as a starting point to prove a point. Um, even though we failed by 1.4%, that equivalated to 1.9 thousand million people voting against, but it also equivalated to 1.4 million people voted yes for legalization. Yes. yes. Now, just answer me this: If prohibition doesn't work, it doesn't work, right? And I get that argument. Does the prohibition for methamphetamine work? Well, it's they haven't got a prohibition on methamphetamine because they use they put it into their health department. They've thrown billions and billions of dollars at the meth problem, and they are having success. I've got to say, so to me, even though they're imprisoning people for meth, um, and that's probably because they're suppliers and makers more than anything. However, what's yeah? So if they've chosen to put use that as a health um, issue and they're throwing billions of dollars at it. So let's do it for cannabis. Cannabis is the least of the problems, really. Mm. Mm. So what your policy is solely cannabis. You, at this stage, wouldn't this be stage. deregulating all drugs like other jurisdictions. No, but eventually that might happen. I mean, yes. there has been that conversation for a little while now. Yes. Um, you know, all drugs are a health issue, yeah. and this is what... But we want to get our cannabis legal for people that are recreational because, I mean, we've got medicinal. That's legal, even though it's got grey areas. Um, cannabis is uh, – the, the police have a discretion, yeah, which they're using. However, there's still people going to prison for, for having cannabis on the property for cultivation or whatever. So that's just dumb. I mean, the amount of money that the – that the logistically to put someone in prison for a year is like $130,000. Yeah. And if you have an average of 800 people going to jail for cannabis, you add that up. That's yeah. billions of dollars. And, of course, so the police used to have those big raids with helicopters yes. and all the yes. rest of it, and they'd be coming in with hauls of it. You don't see that any longer. No. Well, not I as suspect, much. I suspect the cannabis is still being grown, right? Oh, definitely, but they still do the aerial spraying. Okay. I I believe it's so much less than what they're used to. Okay. Now, the Green Party's views, I suspect, must on cannabis, must pretty much align with your party's views. Would that be correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so in a funny way, a vote for the Green Party is, in terms of cannabis, equivalent to voting for your party. 
but you get the other green things as well, and yet you still persist. Is that because you're a single-issue party and the green is a fully-fledged party with a policy on everything, and you're saying it's very important that people have the ability to register their vote like a referendum on a single issue. Yes. I def we're definitely at this point because it's illegal, and that's the only reason why we are one policy um, party at this point. As soon as it is legalised, it opens up all the industries. Mm. It opens up people's wellness. Mm. You know, we're lacking wellness in, in the world at the moment. Mm. Let, let us be the prototype to the rest of the world that we can be New Zealand made with hemp products from clothing, biofuel. We have a problem with our petrol. Let's get into biofuel. You know, why should it be just electric power? There got to be other alternatives for people to choose. Now and that's what we're about. We want people to be able to eventually be able to choose whatever direction. Now I'm of an age where I value wisdom and experience, right? But I've got to tell you, I look at your party, and I don't mean to be rude. I'm not in a position to throw rocks. But Michael Appleby looks like he's got a few kilometres on his clock, if you know what I mean. That's all right. And I'm talking to this young great-grandmother, right? Yes. May I say gently and playing devil's advocate that the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party looks a bit aged. Oh, funny that. I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, because we're still fighting the fight. <laughs> I'm looking at these 1970s hippies sort of <laughs> still standing for Parliament in 2023. I'm pleased you laughed at that because I was trying to raise this salient uh, delicately. I do, I do have a sense of humour, so I will always be more positive than negative. Um, but so you yes. see my point, right? Oh, totally. Well, you look at what's happening over in America with their old chappies over there oh god we've got donald you know, trump so that, and biden who yeah uh, well you know all of that so i think as a personal responsibility to your community there's a time when you can actually step back mm. and you know let the next lot of people come through so we're just so you're seeing a you're seeing a new generation of aotearo legalized cannabis yes. party members coming up yes absolutely so Michael Appleby may be able to put away his hoardings finally. Yes, <laughs> and me too. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's just so great that no, it's such a, it's such an incredible story that here you are, um, still going and still laughing about it. Um, it must, uh, you must, um, have a lot of fun. How many elections have you stood in for? Um, two thousand eleven. Missed 2014, so did not 2017, and this one. So that's what, three, four. We, you're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with uh, Rodney Hyde. We're talking to Marky Herbert, who's the co-leader of the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party. And you'll recall that 
We've had our eyes opened and our scales pulled away by speaking to representatives of the would-be New Zealand hemp industry and what a tortuous and terrible process it's been to try and get some sensible policy around hemp separate separate to um you know the i've got to be careful how i choose my words but separate to getting you know stoned um and now we're talking to marky herbert who's a co-leader along with michael appleby of of the party that's been around since 1996 still standing still pushing the system and learning here's a woman who is perfectly wonderful Perfectly corpus mentis, got a great sense of humour, sharp as a button, great grandmother, in great shape, and she's a toker from way back, right? And so it would, mind you, who knows, if you hadn't smoked cannabis, maybe you'd be still playing for the Silver Ferns or something. But um, <laughs> you are, you are, not washed out or dead in the brain, which is a wonderful advertisement, right? Thank you. Compared to if you had kept smoking, compared to if you had kept drinking, mm. you're a picture of rude good health. Thank you. Yes, exactly. And that's why I stopped taking those other th consumptions. Because they're poison. That's right. Um, I thought... Um, a lot of people took cannabis, correct me on this, I thought they rolled it into tobacco and smoked it. Is that a thing? Um, over in Australia it is. Yes. And um, I don't know why, but it, and it does happen here in New Zealand. Uh, I Personally, I, I just couldn't think of anything worse. But what the tobacco brings to the stoner is a bit of a... Oh, intense feeling of chemicals, I suppose, added that those chemicals that you burn from the tobacco mm -hmm. get off some yes. sort of euphoria. Yes. And I'm not sure what that is because I've never done it. Now, I've just got to interrupt our broadcast for a short advertisement. Okay. Because I have my nine-year-old home from school unwell, and he's been at me and at me and at me because he's planning a sheep farming business. Oh, and he's got bits of paper with who's he's employed and how he's going to run it. And he said, he just sent me a note and he says, remember to talk about my sheep farming business. If they say, <laughs> where is it? Reply, I am not sure yet. <laughs> what a great, what a great ad. He's an <laughs> so entrepreneur in the making. <laughs> he's an entrepreneur in the making. He's got a sheep farming business. He's of course going to start off with one sheep. And then yes. I explained to him that he might need to start off with two. Yes. So he, he's now starting off with two and he's building a sheep farming business and everyone he meets, he sort of uh, uh, employs them quite hard negotiations in his sheep farming business. He's got all the jobs listed. So I can now look him in the eye and say, I advertised your sheep farming business and I explained that we're not quite sure where it's going to be. So we can carry on now, having done our, our little it's gonna, commercial. It's going to be somewhere in paradise. Somewhere in paradise, Marky. Look, um, it's wonderful to, to talk to. I would like to wrap this up, but I'd like to give you an opportunity now that you're relaxed with us. Do Have you got anything particular that you would like to say to voters as we head into this election? The 
platform is yours. Oh, okay. Thank you, Rodney. Well, first of all, uh, just do a little bit of a mihi in Māori, if that's okay. Of course. Uh, so, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Uh, um, ka pai te whakarongo kia, kia au i tēnei ata, uh, te taki o te rauhia, cannabis. Um, yeah, uh, he pai tō rā, nā mihi, kia koutou katoa. So basically, thank you for listening to me this morning about the um, cannabis issues. Um, I think because we've been around for so long, it surely shows that we are loyal. Loyal. We're a loyal party to mm. the consumers and growing our economy is so important to get this over the, over the line. Mm. Um, I just wish that the Greens Party and Labour would have actually done a better job at the hemp industry so we would already be doing it. Um, and, you know, really what, we, what we're looking for is infrastructure and building uh, actually labour employment, um, the infrastructure of building the plants, uh, the manufacturing plant, um, which creates employment like apprenticeships. Mm. We talk about um, internet intelligence, uh, graphic design, engineering, res um, research, science. It has the, all, the whole potential mm. of creating a new environment of walking forward. Mm. And that's the solution that we could bring to to New Zealand, Aotearoa, is that if we get our own department, these are the things that we can change. Mm. Okay, well, Marky, Marky Herbert, co-leader of the New Zealand Legalised Cannabis Party, it's been wonderful this morning chatting away to you. You are a great advertisement uh, for your, what would I say, lifestyle, for your policies. Um, it is wonderful to meet um, someone over 30 um, who's speaking on this because when you meet young people, you sort of dismiss it. So I do appreciate you coming on our show. I wish you all the best in the campaign. I think it's marvellous that we have citizens standing and asking for their vote. I just would hope and pray that our legacy media would treat you with respect and dignity and have you in the news for putting your hand up so that people can exercise the democratic vote. I hate it how they perpetuate the old tired legacy parties. Um, so that's why I'm more than happy to open up my little platform, uh, my you. little show, yes. and introduce you to our listeners and leave it, up, leave it up to them yes. how they choose to vote. Yeah. It's not for me to tell them who they can listen to and who they can't. And, and I'd just like to add, if you want the same picture, vote, put your ticks where you normally put it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to do something different or different and different and new, then look at the minor parties that you align with. If it's only a one policy party that can create a whole lot more, then ALCP is the party. 
There you go. That's a great pitch from Marky Herbert. Uh, you're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde listening to Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can text me at 2057, uh, email me, inbox at realitycheck.radio, and we've still got a democracy. We've still got people Yay! standing. We That's- can still vote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. You're listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde, and I am a happy boy. Why? Because it's mailbag time, and the mailbag is full. Let me start. This from Jan. Hi, Rodney. You are a new believer in Christ, our King of glory. That is true, I am. We must take back our country in prayer and supplication fast and pray for Winston Peters. Oh. I will pray for Winston. We need him for our nation. We need someone who loves this nation and loves the people. Save our farmers and the children. God bless. Stand, be strong. Thank you, Jan. And I will pray for Winston Peters. I will pray for all those standing for office to give them the wisdom and the strength so that they can do well this campaign and do well for our country. Hey, Rodney, please Google Atrazan. Good article by Greenpeace. This is a secret gay drug. Whoa, made frogs change gender in U.S. scientific experiment. Atrazine and canola oil, two biggest secret poisons to terminate humanity. Oh, well, I know about those vegetables oil. Don't go near them. Dreadful stuff. Uh, Here's Nicola. The Freedom Community in Golden Bay Augusta RCR is so biased towards Winston Peters that they have not yet given an interview with Liz Gunn, who is beating Winston in the Voters United poll. Your integrity has slipped. Our confidence in you has plummeted. Oh, well, I'm very, very sorry, Nicola. I hope you heard my interview with the lovely, wonderful, gorgeous, strong, principled, valued-based Liz Gunn and one of her candidates, my good friend Steve Oliver. I hope you heard that, and you will not diss us. And I can tell you I'm so pleased to have other parties standing up for the vaccine injured so I don't have to pass my vote to Winston. I respect those that do, but not me. Not my cup of tea. Rachel, hi, Rodney. I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoy listening to you. Thank you, Rachel. You seem like such a sweet and empathetic man, and I'm so grateful for all you work and the Rally Check team do. I also want to know if I can please have a rally check radio sign for my fence. I live on Highway 1 in North Canterbury, and it will be seen by many. Thank you again, Rachel. We'll get on to that. And you know what makes me sweet and empathetic? Having great listeners and having your texts and emails. Here's someone saying, can you ask Liz to put the 1% tax cuts on all her existing billboards? Whoops, I didn't. Um... Thank you all for standing up in your areas of influence. Just, well, just bringing everything together for such a time is huge blessing from us in the coastal south, Taranaki, Anita. Thank you, Anita. From Chris, Liz is so right. Go, Liz, saying it like it is. QE3 from Kerry. Hmm. Perhaps Rodney could ask Liz Gunn about the Counterspin's Masonic link. I don't know what that is. Um, Counterspin, I think, is a um, another media outlet. Um, tell Liz and Steve to stop bagging other parties and stick to what they can bring to the table, policies and how they'll get them implemented. Quite right. I was a little uncomfortable with that in that interview. Rodney, let Liz speak. 
please need to hear her. You're amazing, but we need to hear more from you. Oh, I'm sorry. Gosh, I'm a bad, bad boy. Hi, Rodney. I'm just listening to the interview now. It made me think. I wonder if that is one of the reasons Todd Muller didn't survive, succeed in the top spot for very long. Did he get pressure put on him once he got to the top spot position to perform a certain way, to succumb to the powers of B, et cetera, et cetera? Did he have a nervous mental breakdown that involved that situation? Is that what brought on the extreme anxiety or at least contributed to that? Thanks for bringing all these things to our attention. You're doing an amazing job with a wee love heart. Thank you, Jackie. That's so nice. Uh, look, I, of course, when you're a leader of the National Party uh, in opposition, you come under all sorts of pressures. I can imagine it would be very, very tough. Here's one from Peter. My impression of Liz Gunn from the interview is that while superficially she comes across as a progressive, her main modus operandi is to generate negative stories towards those who she perceives as her political enemies, i.e. the other minor parties in New Zealand first. This suggests to me a vindictive personality flaw rather than coming out with policy that might encourage voters to vote for her. She concentrates on pouring vitriol on others. Oh, I think that's a bit harsh. I think there was a bit of negativity with the other parties, but, you know, that's understandable in a way in the cut and thrust of a campaign. And to be fair, she does have a lot of policies. New Zealand Oil does have a lot of policies if you go to her webpage. Will you accept a knighthood after New Zealand loyal becomes government, Liz. Hmm. Is that me getting a knighthood? So I could be up there with Sir Ashley Bloomfield? Rodney, Liz and team, thank you for this con cons of conversation today, Marlene. I'm a loyal supporter, so big thank you for having Liz on for some airtime. Rodney, this interview with Liz and Steve will garner them a lot more support. It was brilliant. Cheers, Alistair. Dear Rodney, loved your Liz Gunn and Steve Oliver interview. Here's a rem for you. I went to the River of Freedom documentary last night at Tivoloi, Papamaya Beach East. Very powerful. Keep up the good interviews. Thank you. From Hayden, listening to Liz Gunn today, please post many audio snippets to Twitter. We need to share this. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Love listening to Rodney. Much respect. Great interview with Liz Gunn. Thanks, Rose. Thank you, Rodney, for the interview with Liz Gunn and Steve Oliver of New Zealand Loyal. First time I've felt real hope for our fantastic little country's future. Do you know I did too, listening to Liz and Steve? I did. We'd love to hear more as the weeks progress to our Super Saturday in October. Wonderful, Wendy. Brilliant interview with Liz and Steve. Thank goodness for such common sense and bravery among those who will truly represent our people. Uh, from Chris Liz Gunn, what a lady. No, one other party leader is standing up and saying it like it is. Good on you, Liz. Not one of them are going to do anything to change the direction of our corrupt government. National may well join in the coalition with Labour. I can't fault any of ideas. She has my vote, Chris. This one from Jennifer, a wonderful interview with New Zealand Royal. How could anyone not be in favour of the ideals of this party? This is what we've been waiting for. Love your work. Thank you. Hi, Rodney. Man, a lot of support for Liz Gunn and Steve Oliver. That's great to see. Hi, Rodney. Thank you for your wonderful interview with Liz Gunn this morning. It is so uplifting to listen to someone who shows intelligence, integrity, and compassion for her fellow human beings, just like you and your team. Well, thank you for that. Fondest regards, Anna. From Matt, listening to all these people using Google Chrome and Google that can't find particular sites. First thing they need to do is uninstall Google Chrome and install Firefox. Then add the extension Unblock Origin. This will block adverts everywhere. Then change the search engine to Kagi, 
K-A-G-I, or Woogle, W-H-O-O-G-L-E, or Quant, Q-W-A-N-T. DuckDuckGo is okay, but the three previously mentioned are a far better choice. Remove Google Chrome and Chrome from your lives. Well, thank you for that, Matt. I didn't know about those options. In my world, when I want to call things my own, I have to reach for my own wallet that has my own dollars in it that I've sold hours of my life for. Quite right. Hi, Paul and Rodney. I just listened to Liz Gunn interview with Rodney Hyde. Just to get this straight, I love Liz and what she has done for the freedom movement. She's been amazing. She's been a voice that echoes through our country with the truth. But with respect to having a political party, she is a dreamer. She has criticized all the major parties with being WF and WHO puppets, called them all corrupt, and that there needs to be a big clean out of parliament. She also said that people need to be charged with murder with respect to the jab. You know what? I totally agree with her. But because of these and other ideological and emotional statements, she is going to be sidelined by all the current parties and none of them will make a deal with her. Because of this, she'll be ineffective in our current system. The parties will go out of their way to avoid making a deal with her. You cannot say these things, not until you're in power, until you have leverage. To make change, we need a freedom party that can work with other parties to make a slow change. Look at what Labour has done to our country. Do you think what has happened to our country was because of the last two terms of Labour in Parliament? No way. It has been done over the last 20 to 30 years. Slow indoctrination of a nation slow infiltration of councils and education systems. The only way to make change is to use the system against itself, like Labour has done. Paul, you already know my political affiliation, and I noticed that my emails to you tend to be skipped over if Democracy New Zealand is mentioned. But I see Democracy New Zealand is the only freedom party that can achieve our objectives, and this will not happen in the first term. Credibility as a political party needs to be achieved and this is done by working with other parties and achieving your political bottom lines, alignment and awakening of the public to what has happened to take time. And I don't think there's any other party that can achieve both of these objectives. I'd dearly like to see both New Zealand Oil and Democracy New Zealand get into Parliament. Here, yeah, here, yeah, so would I. That would be very interesting, but I very much doubt this will happen. Regards, Dave. Proud RCR Foundation member. Thank you, Dave. Well said. Well thought through. Uh and I've got Peter the, the going on. The difference between Steve and myself is that I can't wait to get into Parliament and start giving it to them. Good on you, Peter. I love Steve. He's awesome, says Peter. Uh, from Peter, Liz is a great leader. It will always be her show. No disrespect there. Go, Liz. Uh, um she Peter has sent me a whole lot of texts, and I'm enjoying just quickly reading them. Um I just got to read you his last one. I love the way Liz run things. Still sad that I personally never made the cut. <laughs> but that is her choice, and it gets me off the hook. The ruthless choosing of your lieutenants is the only way. This is the moonshot. Good on you, Peter. You got cut, and you still support them, and you can understand it. Man. <clears throat> Hi, Rodney. I love listening to your journey with getting to know our father. It's exciting. Rodney, you're learning not to talk so much, which is awesome. I absolutely loved your interview with Steve, Oliver, and Liz Gunn. Finally, Liz has opened up and shared her experiences, and now I understand why she set up New Zealand Loyal. All the best to the candidates, but remember, we are in a spiritual battle. Amen to that. It is a battle for our spirit and spiritual views. 
and our values and our belief system. More than policy. Just those fundamental values that we have lost. Hi, Rodney. I see you make sourdough bread. Oh, every day. I would love your best recipe, please. Um, wow. My best recipe is I make up my sourdough, keep it every night. I refresh it. It has 100 grams of rye that I freshly mill and 100 grams of water, and it bubbles away overnight. And then I add to it in the morning 1,000 grams of water, and then I add um, 100 grams of freshly milled wheat, malacca wheat. Then I add uh, 1,400 grams of fresh flour that I get from a summit mill at Timaru. I buy 300 kgs at a time, would you believe? And then I add 36 grams of salt and I mix it. And then I fold it once or twice over the next hour or so. Then I put a plastic bag over the bowl and I leave it for the day, maybe about three o'clock with temperatures what they are. I take it out of the bowl and I divide it in half and tighten it up into a ball and let two of those two balls sit for 10 minutes. And then I turn them over and stretch them out into a little oblong. And then I fold them in and roll them up and shape them into a loaf. And I put them into my two bannetons and I put them in the fridge. That night, I refresh my starter for the morning. And then in the morning, I tap them out of my bannetons and put them into the oven for 45 to 50 minutes after slicing them nicely. So I get them nice opening up. I love sourdough bread. Rodney, just listening to your rant about the parallel justice system, while I agree with your sentiments, let's hear Mr. Titi explain himself to the people. Get him on the line. <laughs> but he won't find up. I think that might be the problem, Janet. I'd love to have him on. Uh, hi, Rodney. Would Winston Peters be interested to come with his gun and leave Labour and the Greens National Act out of the running so we could totally turn our nation around? We are the people. We must wake up. Nah. I'm sure everything's possible. Hi, Rodney. The girls and women have to be protected and respected. Separate bathrooms and schools. Heal our lands. Pray for New Zealand. We do have to respect our women and our girls with all our hearts. That's what it is to be manly. That's what it is to be a man. You stand up and protect women. Always and everywhere. And we never give an inch to those that would disrespect a woman by pretending that a man can put on a dress and declare himself to be a woman. They are no such thing. They're a man in a dress. That's what they are. Thanks, Rodney, for your interview with Liz Gunn and Steve Oliver. I was pleased to listen. helped a lot so I could understand more about New Zealand oil, and you're an excellent host, providing a very enlightening show. Thank you. Thank you for that. From Mike, love your show and love the guests you speak to. You're all doing a wonderful job. One small comment I would make in regard to all the announcements yourself. You all call New Zealand Aotearoa New Zealand. God, I hope I don't. <laughs> that would be a terrible slip. 
I would never call us Aotearoa New Zealand. We are New Zealand. And I was brought up to believe this country was called New Zealand. Quite right. If you were to read Forbidden History, you would find the Aotearoa as a modern name for New Zealand. It was. The Maori didn't have a name for New Zealand. They couldn't conceive of it. And adopted for Maori to call it a name just as the days of the week are modern Maori words made up for Maori. Maori never had a Gregorian calendar. So how would they have words for days of the week? It seems we keep using these made-up Maori words just to placate Maori. Should we keep saying Aotearoa New Zealand because we're just enforcing the use of Pigeon Maori or Pigeon English? And neither a good use of either language. Cheers, Mike. I thoroughly agree with you. We shouldn't be interspersing these words, what, to virtue signal? I understand English and that evolves, but just sprinkling in Maori words um, is madness. Why couldn't New Zealand Oil establish a vote meter for all keen voters to clearly show each other how they will vote for New Zealand Oil? This would be more helpful than polls in which each potential supporters are scared off by the under 4% fears. I'm not scared off. I'm going to vote for the party I like best. Hi, Rodney. Excellent discussion with Liz and Steve yesterday. Regards, Peter. Thank you, Peter. There you have it, the mailbag. Oh, I loved it. Send me a text, 2057. Email me, inbox at radio. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your lovely, lovely messages and thoughts, comments. Um, And we can disagree happily about who we'll vote for and who's right and wrong, but we will have this discussion with openness and respect and dignity for those that put their names forward. I think we're very lucky to have the people that we have putting their names forward. You're listening to Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And we've got something different for Politics Explained uh, this week. It's overseas voting. And we've got the lovely Katie on with Tane Webster because she understands overseas voting. And I don't. So she's going to be explaining it because it's important. The overseas vote uh, is a lot of votes. So if you're overseas and you want vote to count, tune in. Hey, Katie. Yeah, we've had uh, a couple of people ask this and we, we already planned on, on covering it because it's such an important, um, such an important question, such an important thing for people to understand. And that is, how do you vote if you're overseas? How do you vote in the New Zealand election if you're, if you're living or overseas at the time of the, of the election? Really good question, Tane. And um, uh, the ability to vote from overseas uh, seems to be the same for every um, country that you might be in. It's available online. Uh, you can download the uh, voting paper and then re-upload it. And that option opens on the 27th of September. Uh, for the general election, which you know we all very much know, it's uh, scheduled for the 14th of October 2023. Uh, so I encourage everyone to um, uh, make sure that you're enrolled. Uh, that needs to be done uh, for you to be able to vote. It looks like you can r- enroll um, up to uh, the date um, of the election. I can't see anything online to suggest that you can't, uh, but pays to get uh, enrolled now. And if you do enroll by the 10th of September, you'll be getting the material um, and voting material uh, in the hard copy mail. So uh, look, jump aboard. Um, It is your democratic right. I think it's your democratic obligation. I think it's your obligation as a participant in any um, uh, democratic society to exercise your vote. 
and um, you know it's not our job to tell you who to vote for, but um, you know to 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 vote. Um, I don't think that you are, you have a right to complain or, or comment really on the government if you haven't participated in them being there or not. So uh, do, do vote and um, jump over onto the website vote.nz, that's vote.nz, um, vote.nz, and uh, all the information's there, uh, including uh, your ability to check whether or not you're enrolled. Excellent. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic and I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation do we end up bringing people together again and what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Email me inbox at radleycheck.radio. Well, here's a tricky one. Uh, uh, Michael Barclay lives in Australia, went off to the pub with his wife, going to order a meal, got asked to leave, which was upsetting for him. I know what that's like because I was one of the unvaxxed, but and denied entry everywhere. But um, he took a front to it, and when he went home, he checked the webpage and found that, yes, the Windsor Pub, I think it was called, uh, wouldn't admit you, yeah, Hotel Windsor, wouldn't admit you if you have facial tattoos. And Michael Baker tried to explain that it was of great cultural significance to him and all what it meant. Uh, but the answer was no. Uh, how do you feel about that one? Well, I've got to tell you, there's a picture here of Michael Barclay with his facial tattoos, and he looks bloody scary. He looks extremely intimidating with this tattoo across his face. He's also got a bone earring on one ear. And the picture that he gives off is aggressive to me. To me. I don't like aggressive tattoos. And it, I am I silly in thinking that? Right? 
anyway, Michael Barclay's making a song and dance about it because, you know, his rights. Well, to me, it works like this. He can tattoo his face if he chooses, but like a lot of things that you decide to do, there are consequences. Um, and you own a pub. It's your pub. You can make the rules. I don't, I don't believe that you have to admit everyone. And if I was there with my kids and enjoying my uh, meal, um, I think my little kids would be upset if there was a full tattoo sitting there. Certainly this tattoo that Michael Barclay's got uh, looks to me scary. And isn't that the point of these tattoos, to make the men look tough and aggressive? And did Michael not think that through, that people might make judgments about him if he tattooed his face? Shouldn't he have made sort of some thought of that? And can't he respect that while he likes his tattoo and he hangs around with people that like his tattoo, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And it's not Hojo Winter's cup of tea or their patrons. Actually, I can appreciate that. So he can find a pub where they do let people in with tattoos. He's very upset because on the webpage, they said you can bring your dog in. And he's sort of making this like a Maori thing, like, oh, you can have a dog in, you know, but you can't be a Maori and walk in. No, Maori are quite welcome. It's the tattoos that are the issue. And i got to say, I feel that because I wouldn't be relaxed sitting in a pub with a guy across the way from me with a facial tattoo with my kids. Just, I think, oh, God, do I have to put up with this? You know, so the pub is set a standard for people like me, I guess, so that we can go there and enjoy a meal without being confronted. I guess that's it, isn't it? That it's very, very confronting to have that tattoo. It's like a, it's telling us something, I guess. It's, it's, it feels aggressive. And if Michael Barclay, cannot see that and I'm sure he can that this isn't this is, might be a cultural thing but it was from a warrior culture and when I go out I won't, don't want to be surrounded with a bunch of warriors I want peace and tranquility but I know this that hotel's going to lose because these days everyone's a victim. And so here is poor Michael Barclay. He's a victim. Got his face tattooed. Now he can't go to a particular pub. Run off to the media. Make a complaint to the Human Rights Commission. He's already done it. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Send me a text 2057. Email me inbox at rallycheck.radio. Thank you for listening. 
The greatest threat to our democracy and our country is the belief that someone else will save it. RCR is on a mission to revive Honest Media, and now you too can help make that happen. Introducing the Foundation Members Club, the easiest way to support RCR and be rewarded for doing so. Receive exclusive benefits only for members, including your very own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions. And also, our all-new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, delivered to your email inbox every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio members and see how you too can join the mission that's making a difference. You're on Rally Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Oh my goodness, I look across the sort of le- legacy. You've been listening parties. to Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. <laughs> None of them turn me on. None of them Rally sort Check of Radio. excite me to vote for them. And then I have this morning had on the citizen parties. Oh, how do you make your mind up? They were all so wonderful to me. They had passion, they had principles, they had values, they had heart. And you're almost spoiled for choice, and I wish I had more than one vote so I could vote for them all because they're real, they're honest, they're there for the right reasons. I enjoyed them immensely. I hope you did too, and I hope you learned something. We've got more to come, so keep staying tuned. Thank you for having Rally Check Radio at your home, at your place of work, on your phone. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back Tuesday. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057, email me inbox at rallycheck.radio. I do love receiving your messages and your emails and your criticisms and your praise and just your ideas. Love it. We're building a family. We're building a community. We're reaching out right across New Zealand and holding each other's hands because... We've discovered this past little while, haven't we? How important it is to have community and friendships. And we don't always agree, but we know how to disagree with respect and by listening and hearing what others have got to say. Thank you for being with us.